All right, episode 187, and it's a special one because of what happened yesterday. After Attorney General Letitia Jackson, James, uh, Letitia James, James, not James. LeBron James' cousin, no, like you no, were no, saying, no, 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 no. Letitia James uh, uh, went after uh, President Trump, Trump. A promise she made. We'll cover that. And a civil fraud lawsuit. I yeah, think civil fraud lawsuit. Talking about two hundred fifty million dollars at best, if not at you know higher end of three to four times, and banning them from doing real estate and business in New York uh, permanently. Uh, uh, and one of them was five years. I mean, anyways, we'll cover the details on that. But we have a special uh, show here because today's show, we have Stuart Kaplan on. Let me tell you who Stuart Kaplan is, which the timing is, again, couldn't have been better. He's a former FBI agent. He received an appointment with the FBI as a special agent in 1995, was assigned to the New York FBI Special Operations Division and White Collar Squad. Then he worked on some of the most important cases in FBI history to include the Centennial bombing and TWA Flight 800 investigation. In 2001, he received a special transfer to Miami Division, where he was involved in the anthrax and 9-11 investigations. In 2003, he was assigned to a long-term undercover operation, and he's now a criminal defense attorney. And we also have Ricky Aguilar in the house. He's back, and we'll have Scott Perry at around 10 o'clock, congressman whose phone was seized, I think, just a few days ago to talk about how that just took place. But with that being said, Stuart, Ricky, thank you for being on. Thank you, Brandon. Thank you. Good morning. Stuart, how are you doing? I'm doing fine. Good morning. So your accent sounds like you're Southern, like Texas. Is it Texas accent? Yeah, Southern, kind of like across the cross Bronx Express. <laughs> <laughs> southern Bronx, South Bronx. <laughs> yeah, I figured. So, Stuart, uh, uh, when you see all the stuff that's going on right now, what are you thinking? Like half of this stuff, like one week it's Mar-a-Lago, next week is this. What, what do you think is going on? Well, first of all, you know, I when I talk, I talk facts because, you know, there's a lot of you know speculation mm-hmm. and rumors. And so I tell people when I go back to when I came out of the academy and I remember there were 48 of us in a graduating class 95. Back, back in 1995. Most of the individuals, uh, whether they were men or women, and, and by the way, I apologize. I hope I can use Yes, there are still men, men and women. women in well, I just read yeah. in the newspaper: yeah. if you come out of the Navy now or the Air Force, you can't refer to mom and dad. So I just want to make sure I don't piss. What do I have the semen and not non semen or yeah, something like that? But you know, most of us were um, a personalities, played competitive sports, uh, a lot of military guys, special force guys, real hard chargers. And I saw quickly after 9-11 where the mission of the FBI changed drastically, where it became more of an intelligence gathering community. They started to recruit recruit more intellectual type of individuals. And the posturing, as I see today, for example, when I look at young kids going through athletics, my son plays organized uh, sports, in particular at 12 years old, he plays football. And they're they're more concerned about giving participation trophies our society has changed. We're soft now. In fact, I remember when uh, we went through defensive tactics and they asked everybody in the class to raise their hand and ask who's ever been involved in a fight. Basically, you saw about 50 or 60% of the people raised their hands. I can tell you without a question, because I've been back to Quantico many, many times, where you will see the same type of question being asked and no one will raise their hand. Who's ever gotten punched in the face and you look are around? You, are you being serious? Yeah, I'm dead serious. Today? Absolutely. How how is that even possible? Because because the mission of the bureau has changed. Yeah, we as a society has changed. We law enforcement, as in the practice of law, has become more of a sporting contest. It's about winning at all cost. 
where when I came out of the academy, it was about the administration of justice. It was about equal justice, and it was about arresting bad people, going after top 10 fugitives, people that were murderers, bank robberies. If I was to tell you that unless someone jumps the counter of a bank with a firearm, the FBI doesn't even respond. That's today in 2022. But if we have this political undercurrent where we want to go after a political figure, that seems to be the top of the priority at this point. And so the complete mission, the complete priority, and of course, the mentality of the FBI. And I, and when I talk about the, the mentality, and I can talk because I still have one friend who is actually the second in charge, the seventh floor mentality that's at FBI headquarters has changed. Its focus has changed. Um, I think that if there was any mistake that Donald Trump made when uh, James Comey back in 2017 was escorted out of FBI headquarters, the one mistake he left is that he left the stench behind that continues to permeate, and he should have cleaned out FBI headquarters from top to bottom. And why do I say that? Because 99% of the men and women who are in the field offices throughout the United States and throughout the world are incredible people, and they do an incredible job. But Let's be honest, the mission or the signals are given from FBI headquarters. And so what you see played out now is like a sporting contest because people interject their political views, they, they interject their personal views, and that's not the FBI that I know. The FBI that I know looks at the facts, we're facts-based, we run out facts to their logical conclusions, and we allow the facts to speak for themselves. We don't come to the conclusion and work backwards and create a narrative. And what you're seeing is now everybody has a foregone conclusion, and just like you talk about the attorney general in New York, who I, you know, I know a lot about, Shirley said when she ran for office that this was going to be her conclusion. She just needed now to write her narrative. And so yesterday you see her get up in front of a podium, and now she's going to talk about her narrative. But she had already reached her conclusions. That's not what I'm all about, and that's not what the FBI should be all about. We had a CIA agent here uh, last week or two weeks ago, and maybe three weeks ago, Andy Bustamante, who's a former CIA guy. And I was asking a question about FBI, CIA, DEA, all these guys. When was it? You know how the whole approval rating with president is this. The whole you know, when was FBI's approval rating by the you know populace the highest? When did America trust FBI the most? You know, I will tell you that sitting here today, and I can talk to you about Waco, Ruby Ridge, the Centennial bombing, Flight TW800. There were many times that there were isolated incidents that the FBI became front and center, where there was some criticism. But it was focused solely on decisions that were made at the time on the ground. This is the first time, in my opinion, that the legitimacy or the integrity of the institution is now being challenged or being questioned. And I do believe that in this particular situation, perception in the optics sometimes is our reality. And so this is a different FBI, and you have to question what their motivation is. I do not recall politics ever being interjected into any of the cases that I were involved in. And that's not to say that I wasn't involved in public corruption cases. Right. 
but the party affiliation of the individual was of zero consequence. The only issue at hand was whether or not there was some facts that supported the hypothesis that this person may have engaged in criminal activity. You run out those leads to its logical conclusion, not because the person was Republican or not because the person was Democratic, but because the person either did or did not commit a crime. And if the person did not commit a crime, that was it. The case died on the vine. That's not the situation we have today. Yeah, I, I wonder, like, okay, so you go, originally when FBI got started with J. Edgar Hoover, when you say not political, a lot of it with the stories you hear about them and Kennedy, Kennedy's coming over saying, hey, you better stay away from us because let me tell you what picture we got of you. And, you know, whether it's true or not, you know, the cross-dressing back in the days was a big deal and if the world got out. So there was politics involved. The mob was involved. Now, how much of this is factual or not, I wasn't there in the rooms to hear about it, but we've all read these stories and see, seen the movies. What was the original outcome of why we started the FBI? Well, look, the FBI was started because there was a need. There was a, uh, you know, we needed a federal law enforcement agency to oversee state and local agencies. And that really was then the infancy or, the, or how the FBI was born to come. I don't, dis I don't disagree with you. Look, the director of the FBI, regardless of who the director is, he serves at the pleasure of the president of the United States. And I am not going to say, I would be less than candid to say that if the president or one of his aides picks up the phone and calls the director and says, listen, I need you to do this, this, and this, I'm not going to say that the FBI director is not going to jump through, jump through hoops to try to satisfy the request of the president. That's not what I'm talking about because that's in all life. That's in corporate America. That's in sports. That's in anything. We, we, you know, you know someone, you reach out to them, you ask them to, you look, you get caught going down the turnpike and you get a speeding ticket and maybe you have a deputy friend and you call your deputy friend and say, hey, do you know this deputy? He wrote me a ticket. Can you make a phone call and tell him to take easy? That's, that's in all walks of life. Right. But that's not what I'm talking about. This now is an FBI who's been an FBI agency that's been weaponized yeah. by the by the political incumbents by by the presidency by the you know the over office that's unprecedented in modern history if, so, I, if I could ask you a question I'm sorry Pat <clears throat> when you say that um <clears throat> Is that on both sides of the spectrum, both sides of the aisle, or is it just one? Have you noticed it more recently in the past 10, 15 years? When, when did you notice that shift? And if so, has it been one side of the aisle more than the other? So, look, if we talk specifically about the then former president, Donald Trump, Donald Trump was an icon in New York City before he even thought about running for public, public office. Mm -hmm. There were a lot of people that loved him. And there were a lot of people that hated him. Right. And that's because of his verbose, antagonistic, just bombastic type of attitude. Right. Right. In fact, I was laughing last night. You know, he was on Sean Hannity. Mm -hmm. And there's a perfect example where I can comment as a criminal defense attorney. That's why sometimes he puts his foot in his own mouth because the lawyers have no client control. Right. There is no reason why he should have gone on that program yesterday, given what was said earlier in the afternoon. But the bottom line is he was loved and he was hated yeah. at the same time. 
When he then decided to enter into public service or to enter into the arena to run for president, no one really took him seriously. Right. I mean, that's the reality. He right. was either the laugh, laughing stock right. or, as you saw, quickly people said, wait a minute, this guy may be able to go to Washington, D.C. and shake things up. Right. And then all of a sudden the fear started to permeate. This could be real. This could be yeah. real. And, <clears throat> and for the first time... You have people like Pelosi or Chuck Schumer who've been there forever. Yeah. And by the way, they have taken full advantage. And even Biden, who's been there forever. And you know, the interesting thing is when you talk about Biden, why don't we talk about the last 40 years that he was in public office? Let's talk about the lack of success. Right. He never did anything successful. Right. Right. And the and the funny thing is even when you talk about health care and you know, he talks about we're gonna try to bring down health care costs. Well, how come no one ever refreshes his recollection when he stood up with Obama and they talked about you could keep your own, you know, mm-hmm. keep your own health insurance mm-hmm. and it's going to be a lot cheaper? Well, all of a sudden, that, all of a sudden that went out the door, and so for the first time, the institution that was so ingrained and was untouchable started to get really nervous that this guy's going to come in and Capable. he's and he's yeah. going to kick us in our rear end and he's going to expose us mm-hmm. for what uh, for what it is. That's when you started to see people start to reach out and, for example, utilize the FBI. And here's a perfect example, the attorney general in New York. This is such a meatball type of case. I mean, it's really meatball. Look, Donald Trump is a very successful businessman. I don't know anybody at his level who doesn't have teams of lawyers, teams of firms who are embroiled in litigation. That comes with success, whether you're Donald Trump or you're someone else. It just is amazing. And by the way, those cases in New York, you would never hear about them. They would be so quiet and they would all be resolved. Maybe a fine would be paid. Maybe there would be a disgorgement of some monies paid back. It would fly under the radar. But here's a perfect example who, who here's a woman who took the platform now and she's going to run with it and make a, you know, making a nothing out of a federal case here now. Are you so basically I'm, I'm, but, I, but I want to do this. I'm, to finish this up, and then we're going to go into our friend James here. We're going to go into it here. This is what I want to ask. We've all had investments before. You've had investments. Mm-hmm. You've had investments. Tyler, I'm sure, has had investments, and you've had investments. Okay. At what one point you sit there and you say, yeah, shoot. I mean, plus minus. I, I'm. I'm not, not. There's no benefit to me. I'm not making money on this thing here. If we look at some of these agencies, ATF, which stands for Alcohol, Alcohol Tobacco, Tobacco Firearms. Firearms, which all are like, what do you mean we need ATF employing 5,200 people? How much money are taxpayers paying for ATF? We can go away with ATF. Okay, DEA, FBI, CIA. Which one of those organizations? And I, I kind of have an idea which way you're going to lean, but I want to hear what you're going to say about this. Which one has done more harm than good for America? If you had to choose one, let's put DEA aside. Let's just do CI and FBI. Which one's done more harm than good for America? Well, look, the Central Intelligence Agency does not operate domestically. They work strictly internationally. And they are a critical component of our national security. The FBI is tasked with protecting our national security here domestically. And so I'm not going to suggest that either one of them is not valuable because they both come with tremendous value. And I will tell you 
especially after 9-11, and especially when you see that when there are separations of state and local law enforcement, and even separate in, uh, from federal, state, and local, the only way we are going to be safe here in the United States is to have federal partners that work with our state partners that work with the local partners. And I talk about terrorism matters. Terrorism matters, believe it or not, Police officers that work each and every day make contact with you and I, make contact with people all day long. Mm -hmm. That potential crumb that may be picked up could be noted in a traffic stop, in a citation, in a police report, in an incident report. And all of a sudden, that one thread of information a year, two, three, four, five years down the road may become a critical component in a federal investigation. Our success, and I will say this, because we have been very fortunate since 9-11. Leave out the active shooters and the mass shootings because we have failed miserably with that. But when you talk about domestic terrorism, meaning on the national level with you know not having another repeat of 9-11, the success has come with the FBI and all of the other law enforcement agencies working so seamlessly together jointly and sharing information. The the breakdown prior to 9-11 is information was not flowing down. It was attempted to be flown, you know, uh, flow up to the FBI, but the FBI was very uh, scarce or very resistant to share information downward. We now work jointly. Task, we were mostly made up task force agencies. That's why, and I do applaud the FBI for keeping us safe when it comes to our national security. So I don't think we could do away with the FBI. But with saying that, do I believe it needs to be retooled? And when I say retooled, retooled at the top, not necessarily at the field office level. The challenge then becomes accountability. Who holds who accountable? And, you know, how do you uh, prevent uh, 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 individual political affiliation and interests of getting in the way of what you do and what you look past of? I mean, it's a very, very difficult thing to do on how you hire people. Like a Peter Strzok, you sit there and say, you think this guy's going to take sides? Of course he's going to take sides. And yesterday his tweet, you know, talking about all these other people, but behind closed doors, the text getting caught. The concern for me becomes... An organization that powerful with that much control to walk up to Scott Perry, congressman, which we're going to have here in a minute. I don't know the man. I don't know what he stands for. I, you know, I, I don't think he's somebody that's on TV on a daily basis. But with what happened here, we'll talk about him. He's been on for the last few months. You're seeing him regularly with the insurrection and these different things. But to pull up, you're with your family, three kids, and like, hey, hand us your phone. For what? That's, that's okay to do nowadays? There, there's a part of that that's a little bit concerning where one side that approach doesn't work and the other side it does so it makes a lot of people a little bit uncomfortable to say at what point can this happen to me a regular some of us are immigrants i was born and raised in iran people can come and talk to you about a lot of different things at any time right people can come and ask you for things and get away with a lot of stuff we saw what happened this last week with a lady in iran who's 22 years old they're doing the anti-hijab movement and they don't want to wear their Mm-hmm. Hair covers and <clears throat> 22 years old, they threw her in the in, in the bus. Meter Our up. head hits it. Yeah. She starts bleeding. She dies the following day, and then they say she died from a heart attack. Right. Yeah, a 22 year old dies from yeah. a heart attack. But it's in Iran. You know, they control the media. They control the story, and people on the streets can do about it. But in America, you wouldn't ex 
you wouldn't you know think America would get to that level. So my only concern is what can what can we do to be a little bit more uh, uh, accountable? I know you say tools, but a level of accountability and trust to be increased. If if the FBI was a company and they had a review online right now and they had to fix their reputation, man, I got a lot of work to do to gain the trust of the American people today. Hmm. I agree, 100%. But you have to understand, and I'm going to go back to a perfect example, just to put things in context yeah. as to why the FBI is not the same FBI that's recognizable, not only to me, but a lot of people that are similarly situated that have retired and still are there. When I got into the FBI, mm-hmm. there was a fit test. The fit test was you had to run a mile and a half, you had to do sit-ups, you had to do push-ups, you had to do pull-ups. Do you realize now that the FBI Academy has done away with, quote-unquote, the fit test? Now, again, don't want to piss off any of the people that are listening, but let's be honest. You have to be fit because the job should be very um, physically you know, demanding, demanding at times. Yeah. And what happened was there was a person who couldn't pass the fit test. They got recycled once, they got recycled twice, and then on the third time when they couldn't pass the fit test, they terminated that person. You know what that person did? Mm. He probably sued them. Sued them. That's exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. They sued. And then you know what the FBI did? Mm. They said, well, it's a disability. The person's overweight. Um, maybe we don't need to have the fit test. So they dis- they dis- they uh, did away with the fit test. Exactly like I say when you have the participation yeah. trophies. And now you have- What year was that, by the way? They did away with the fit test in 2004, 2005. Oh, so this has been coming for decades no, this now. Is, that, this is why new. No, no, no. This has been coming the softness to- softness you're correct. talking about. And now we have, how does an FBI meet his criteria, his 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 requirements? Yeah, how do they do when that? When I did that, have a pulse? that was the success of your cases, meaning you, know, you worked cases- you know, if you ended up arresting someone, you got a that a boy. Mm-hmm. Now you have a checklist: how many informants, how many, how much restitution, how many seizures, how many warrants, how many felony convictions. And so, when you break it down into a checklist, and you have a a, a chance to go either way, to arrest or not arrest someone. Well, if you realize you're coming up with your uh, performance appraisal and you need to arrest someone, you're going to arrest that person. Why? Because you got to check that box. That's not the FBI that's recognizable to me. But when you make it that way, mm-hmm. and by the way, and what the public doesn't understand, and here's a fact, true scenario. If I come out of Podunk, someplace in the United States out of the academy, and I go to 26 Federal Plaza, which is where the FBI is located in New York City, you can imagine someone coming from little place in Arkansas who now has to uproot his family of four and try to find a place to live within two hours of New York City because you're not going to be able to afford an apartment. And now you're going to work at 26 Federal Plaza. You can't find a legal parking spot and you're absolutely miserable. Your kids are miserable. Your wife is miserable. Here's the reality. After 18 months of coming out of the academy, I can raise my hand and take a specialty transfer to FBI headquarters. What does that do? Well, you'll spend the next 18 months at FBI headquarters, and then when you come out of FBI headquarters, you're now a supervisor. Now, think about this. You're in the bureau less than four years, and you're going to come out into the field office and supervise guys that have 15, 20, 25 years. 
that's not going to work. But you have these young kids that are doing this, and now you have this culture, this mentality, this social media. You know, the you know, you'll keep in mind the kids that are coming out of the academy are driven by social media. By the way, when I went into the FBI, you couldn't have ever listen. I'm mm-hmm. 58, and I can say this: I have never smoked marijuana. And when I applied to the FBI, no drugs. If you had done any drugs in your life prior to applying to the FBI, it was automatic disqualification, right? In this day and age, it's now, if you haven't done marijuana in the last three years. Now, I'm not being critical. I'm not taking a position on marijuana. But what I'm saying is now we've, we've changed the rules. We've Lacks changed. Them. We've lacked some. The applicant, the type of individual. See, you know, the the I want the FBI to have disciplined individuals. And that's why I'm the biggest advocate for people that come out of the military. Why? Because they are so disciplined and they don't ask why they just do it and they stand at attention. They'll stand there for 16, 20, 24 hours and they won't move. They won't go to the bathroom. They won't have to look at their cell phone. You know, when I worked at the FBI, no, keep in mind, cell phones were something you carried in a suitcase. So not everybody had a suitcase, right? We At best, we had a beeper. We had a pager. You go into the FBI, you know, FBI agents, they all have cell phones. Everybody's on social media. Everybody's getting their media, their their information through so, through social media. That's making us brain dead. And I think there's a disconnect. You know, the public thinks FBI FBI agents are something above us being human. No, the FBI is made up of human beings, Mm -hmm. men and women. And the men and women that are coming out of college, coming out of graduate school, coming out into the world, have this demented, distorted view. Why? Because they're watching TikTok, they're, you know, Facebook, Mm -hmm. and all this garbage that's being fed. That's the new and upcoming FBI agents. We know the military just recently uh, is their lowest ever recruiting shortage they've had in a long time to the point where now they're given $50,000 bonuses for six years uh, just to join. It's like, oh, you physical, don't worry about it. You're this, don't worry about it. It's a lot more don't worry, don't worry, don't worry than before I asked the question. I think you posted something about that. Well, the military is not as attractive because now you can get your loan forgiveness. You know, listen, when when people uh-huh. went to the military, uh-huh. you went to the military that. because it deferred your expense to go wow. into college, right? Did not even why do I have to that. do that? Why do I have to need a six year commitment to give back to Uncle Sam? And by the way, I'm the biggest advocate and proponent. Listen, you want to give forgiveness? Give those people that raise their hand and volunteer, and God forbid they have to go over into unforsaken, God awful countries to protect yeah. you and I. Yeah. And when they come back, give them a house, give them health care. Forgive them loan forgiveness. That's I'm good yeah. with that. But now you just want to give loan forgiveness because I'm lazy and I don't want to get off the couch and go get a job. I don't. I yeah. don't agree with that. So there's where it's driving also the military. Wow. Can, I never let even me, thought about. Let that. me ask you a point because I don't think point. anybody listening to this is gonna disagree with you. I think you're making very valid points. I think everything you say is accurate, accurate, accurate. What I want to understand is why. Like, what was the catalyst to this? Like, you basically started off the episodes basically saying, we're getting soft, bro. Straight up. When I joined the FBI, I was a macho guy, played sports, competitive. Now it's all intellectuals, almost bureaucrats that we talk about. Um, but what was the catalyst? Because this, 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 this isn't a Trump thing. This isn't an Obama thing. You're talking about this was late 90s, early 2000s. Yeah. I, so I, what happened? I, I, look, I saw quickly after 9-11 
that the Bureau, and when we talk, when I say I'm talking about the FBI, the mission of the FBI completely changed. After 9-11, we became an intelligence gathering agency. Mm-hmm. We were no longer hands-on. And, and by the way, for example, when I came into the FBI, you know, I loved going after bank robbers. And you had bank robbery duty, meaning that if there was a bank robbery and you happened to be on call, you went out and investigated bank robberies. In this day and age, and here's a fact, unless there is a weapon used in connection with a takeover in a bank, the FBI does not even respond to a bank robbery. So the mission changed. We became more concerned about, you know, uh, you know, profiling individuals and less about arresting and investigating really bad people here who were in Seton in our in our communities that were drug dealers and human trafficking. The, you know, and while you think that the FBI mission, you know, those things are at the top. That's not that wasn't the focus after 9/11. And so that's where I started to see the mentality change, meaning mm-hmm. from the mission of the bureau and then the recruitment of individuals now who were coming into the FBI were different than I recognized when I came in. And, to the and, FBI. and when did you retire from the FBI? In 1990 and I'm sorry, in 2006. Okay, so you haven't been so it's been 15 years plus years. So But I am I yeah. hands on there. All the time, you know, still have people that are there. And so I, I still have a pulse right. to understand because the older guys, you know, now I, I see what they're saying. I hear what they're saying and they are frustrated. I bet. Well, my next question was, how often do you interact with All these the younger guys? Not the older guys, not the guys in their 60s, the 25-year-olds so, who might be saying, look, Stuart, I respect you, but you don't get it, man. I'm 25 years old. I was born with a phone in my hand. How often do you interact with these younger old, people? So on my on my lawyering side, mm-hmm. all the time, every day. In fact, I, I told you, I just came back from Dallas. It's a case that's being investigated by the FBI. Now, this agent, this case agent, happens to be a 20, I think he's in 20, 22 years. The guy is incredible. But when you tackle and you bring in young agents that I interact with, first of all, they come in, they have zero people skills. Like you and I can have a conversation. I can meet someone without ever knowing them, mm-hmm. and they already know about my background. I ask you about your background, and yeah. we're just building a rapport. These kids that are coming out, they're so fixated on the script. And and by way of example, criminal defense lawyers, they're evil. They're the bad guys. They're on the bad side. Where I always looked at it when I engaged in meeting lawyers when I was with the FBI, that was an opportunity to develop a relationship, to develop a rapport. And I've talked about this, and let's talk about Mar-a-Lago. And this is exactly where there's a disconnect and where I talk about facts. When I was with the FBI and I would execute a search warrant, if there was a lawyer that showed up on scene, I loved that. Why? Because I would go up to the lawyer and say, hey, lawyer, I'm looking for X, Y, and Z. Can you talk to your client? Because maybe you can make my life easier and make your client's life easier because I don't want to tear tear apart his house. I don't want to disrupt his family. I don't want to start ripping, going through drawers. I'm just looking for X, Y, and Z. And the lawyer inevitably would go, sure, agent, here's where you need to go. Here it is. And we would go. We get it and leave. How often did that happen, Stuart? If you remember me, like that's I, like, the routine. It, it, but if you did it, if you did 10, 10 warrants all the time, and the, how many times would they say, "Here it is," all the time? Really? If the object was there, it was just a matter of time because you oh, know, got you it. know. Listen, first of all, 
when you talk about real search warrants and you talk about the contents of the affidavit in support of the search warrant, basically there's something that's called ripeness, meaning fresh information. So someone apparently has has reliability and credibility to attest that they have seen what we're looking for on that oh, location. Oh, got it. So you right? guys already know it's there. Of course. And just like when they got to Mar-a-Lago, this was not by surprise that they that they didn't know they were going to find these boxes of, of documents. Someone had already put their eyes on it, so they already knew that they were going to find it. But this idea to wall off or keep out of lawyers, and, and the other thing is, if I was an agent, I invited lawyers to be a bird on a perch. They couldn't interfere with the search, but I always liked that because they kept us honest, and they also prevented from anybody accusing us of misconduct, of either taking something or destroying something or going into you know something that may have made us look unprofessional. So why would they do it without a lawyer being there, though? That's very weird. So my interpretation, right. my opinion is, because they went in under the broadest pretext, knowing that they knew exactly where these boxes of documents were. But they were also hopeful. Again, the mentality is, let's look everywhere, because maybe it's not necessarily what's described in the warrant, but maybe we'll find other things, maybe related to the January 6th uh, situation, or maybe we'll find something else, some other smoking yeah. gun. If Listen... Here's the thing, Patrick. If I'm Donald Trump's lawyer and I show up in Mar-a-Lago and they give me a copy of the warrant, I say, okay, you guys are looking for these boxes and these documents. Come on in. I'm going to walk you downstairs and say, here they are. Now, you could say, well, Mr. Kaplan, you know, you could keep documents somewhere else. I'd be like, listen, let me escort you all through it, but I'm not going to let you start rifling through things and start looking at things that are not specified or articulated within the warrant. And, and what I find so offensive is, look, and here's where the breach is, and here's where the dishonesty is. When you are an agent, and your agent's going to execute a search warrant, there is an operation plan that is put in place days before the execution of the search warrant, and there's an operational meeting. And the rules of engagement are gone over. And so when you go into someone's house or someone's office, you don't just grab stuff and throw it into a box. You have to examine what you're looking at to ensure that you are legally entitled to take that. You can't just grab documents and throw them into so a box. So how did they? But that's the whole point. That's what they did. They came in with like a sweet uh, yeah. street uh, sweeper <clears throat> and collected everything and figured, well, we'll go through it later. The breaches and the offense to me is now we know that there are – indisputable privileged documents, meaning a lawyer, uh, attorney-client privileged documents that in no way should have ever been seized. And if they were even being considered to have been taken as a agent, I would have addressed it with Donald Trump's lawyers on scene and to either make an agreement on location. We're going to take the documents. They're going to go into a yellow envelope. They're going to be specially marked. They're going to go to a taint agent. We will not look at them and they're going to be segregated. But you see, none of that was done. And whether it's one document or two documents, when you have that breach, when you have the violation, to me, it taints the integrity of the overall mission and it makes you look dishonest. So, to, so But to be able to do that, that, that means... So in FBI, there's got to be Democrats, Republicans, Independents. 
So right before they're about to do something They like came that. from Washington, D.C., Patrick. They were flown down. They had to leave their phones, and they were flown in, and then they were flown out. What does that mean? Okay, so when I would execute, when I had a case that took me, let's say I'm down in Florida, yeah. and I develop information that's going to lead to a search up in Atlanta or New York, mm-hmm. I'm going to notify that field office, and they're going to work in concert with me. When it oh. comes time for me to execute that search warrant, I'm not bringing agents from the Miami division up to Georgia or up to New York. Now, as a case agent, I will be there because it's my case. But I'm going to utilize the local FBI office yeah. just out of the economics of it, just out of just the mere manpower. But that's not the case. They used a squad out of FBI headquarters Men and women who were flown down specifically for this mission, they did what they did, and then they were flown out. And not only that, but they were walled off to communicate with anybody here. Why? Because there was a concern that either it was going to leak out or either that someone here would not be on board with what they were going to do. Did you see the part when uh, in 60 Minutes they ask uh, uh, Biden, hey, did you know about this investigation sure. and what his answer was? You heard sure. His answer was... Uh, uh, I got it right here. His answer was, uh, you know, no, I was not aware of it, right? But maybe one of my people is, look, here, here's what happens. Between 4.30 a.m. and 7.30 a.m., depending on the president's schedule, and I know that, again, fact-based, his chief of staff or the president of the United States is debriefed each and every day on the major events that are either ongoing in the world or that are going to happen, which includes the FBI director or his elector of debriefing the president or his chief of staff. There is absolutely no way that the president of the United States did not know on that particular day the FBI was going to Mar-a-Lago to execute a search warrant. How does somebody not push back and say, how is that possible? Because to me, if you're the commander-in-chief, how do you not know that they're about to rate the guy that was your number one competitor. How, how do you – do they think the American people are this dumb? And, and let, me, let me take it from – obviously you saw what happened with uh, Attorney General Letitia, Letitia uh, James yesterday, right? I did. It's a very interesting thing, Tyler. I want you to pull up YouTube. Go to YouTube.com, uh, and here's what I want you to do. So the things that she said, we don't have it written here because it was last minute. I'll just kind of read some of the stuff here that audience uh, – uh, maybe you didn't see the whole thing. So she called it a white-collar financial crime, which you used to be working on white-collar stuff when you were FBI, falsifying financial sta- statements, insurance fraud, issuing false statements to financial institutions, more than 200 misleading asset statements those years. Uh, apartments uh, uh, was more than 30,000 square feet, she, he says, but it was only 10,000 square feet. That's what she's claiming. So he inflated the value of the apartment by $200 million, Okay. Then she says he received $150 million in favorable interest rates by showing that his net worth was higher. Okay. Mar-a-Lago should have been valued at $75 million, but it was valued at $739 because its top-line revenue of Mar-a-Lago is only $25 million. By the way, if Mar-a-Lago is really worth only $75 million, on the record, I just made a $75 million offer to buy Mar-a-Lago. If you're saying it's <laughs> and a $75 million. And I'll go half C with you. You want to do that? Let's I'll do go that. You and I will run it together. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's a new, new location. I'll, I'll take a room. <laughs> the, the complaint uh, is a 280-page pages long complaint. And she's asking the court to bar entire Trump family from conducting business in New York, increase net worth to get financing. Uh, she doesn't want Trump to ever run a business in New York, et cetera, et cetera. So $250 million uh, fine. 
And she's saying that's the bottom. And even Michael Cohen yesterday is like, that's the because I was involved. I would sit there and he would Trump would say, increase my net worth from three and a half to five and a half to seven and a half billion. He says, I've never seen anybody get richer in 10 seconds like Trump would get richer just by telling us what to put for his net, net worth. So they're going after him hard, that's, right? That's, who said that? Michael Cohen? Cohen said that yesterday on CNN. And, and, and you realize now that the complete premise of the initiation of this woman doing this investigation was started by Michael Cohen, who has the credibility of zero. On a scale of one to 10, we put him at zero. There is not one, did you see anybody from JP Morgan or Bank of America or BB&T or SunTrust or any of these Those banks? Those are the ones that should, if right, there's, right. they so, lost the money. Right, well, but no one lost any yeah. money. And, and by the way, when is the last time you could actually ask to be given money without an independent appraiser Paid Never. for, paid for by you, but but done at the behest of a bank, because I mean, you buy a house, you could tell them whatever you want, but the bank is not going to rely upon that. They're going to send out an appraisal, and they're going to ensure that the asset or the yeah. collateral, right, at least reaches or exceeds what they're going to lend you. I mean, did you see any financial CEOs no. up there or board directors up there saying we got cheated or we lost money? You know, it's crazy though. Like, you know, I've raised a lot of money over the years, and I've sold businesses. And you can say when you're talking, you give them a you know basic sims that you're giving it to them. They're looking at it, right? Okay, so your EBITDA is this much. Your this is this much. You can inflate as much as you want because what's next is is a four week process of quality of earnings done by third party four you know accounting firms, KPMG, PwC. You spend a few hundred thousand dollars to a million dollars yeah. to do quality of earnings, and they're like, well, this was off. No, this was right. And the more your numbers are right, the more you're going to get a favorable valuation that they give you up front. So that stuff, no one's going to give a few hundred million dollars without doing their own due diligence. But here's the kicker. This is the point I wanted to make. When she does this, FYI, she said she was going to do it, and she did it. So to the people that wanted her in there to go after Trump, guess what? She kept her promises. Okay? But I want you to go on CNN and go on their YouTube channel. Just go on YouTube channel. When she first announces it so go to videos yeah go to videos zoom in a little bit so the audience can see it so go up go up go up go up keep going i'll show you this is the first, i watched so much cnn today it was unbelievable right there, there it is uh it's New the York one that says announces. breaking that's the one yeah. okay so click on that but don't play the audio click on that i want the audience to see this okay so she is they're doing what they're doing uh, turn off the audio and just press play what the lady is saying right now She's saying breaking news. Okay, press pause. Okay, so press pause. Okay, so this is the first time on CNN, an anti-Trump camp is talking about Trump's entire family is getting sued in New York, okay? On a 14 million subscriber channel. Zoom in how many views this thing got. Zoom in how many views this thing got so they can see it. This should be 17 million views, 10 million views. You know what the American people are saying? Oh, we don't it. give a shit. Yeah, we're over it. Then, but all I'm saying to you, if it was like when Russia happened, and uh, what was the guy's name on Russia? I know we have information on the, what was the guy's name? Oh. Uh, Adam uh, Adam Schiff. Adam Schiff, right? Peter Schiff's last name, Adam Schiff. So when he got up, you know how many views it got? Nearly 10 million views, 8 million views. The American people simply are sitting there saying, listen, man, Get over it. Move on. We understand you hate this guy. We got it yeah. that you hate this guy. Okay? And and we're fine whether he wins or doesn't. You know, totally get it. But this is a little bit too much. Would you have guessed, Tyler, 
Adam, would you have guessed for something like this to get 341,000 views? Breaking news. Well, I just think it it speaks to the credibility of CNN and, and what people are watching on there. For instance, a clip came up on my YouTube, just a little perspective. This is a, a million uh, subscriber channel. You familiar with this guy, Brian Tyler Cohen? He speaks out against Trump. He's proudly a Democrat. He's got a million views, same same story. And a million subscribers. That's what I'm saying, yeah. is that people are looking for other outlets that maybe are but, but less would, biased or have more credibility. Think, you would think, like, this is a home run for CNN, breaking news. This is what's about to happen, and the American yeah. people are saying, let them just well, compete. If he doesn't win, he doesn't How would you compare that to the, to the two or three videos right before that or after that is it all somewhere oh, no, no. Around? i watched all of them so okay. zoom out zoom out so you can see this zoom not out. even this story i'm the, saying in general okay zoom out go back to the channel yeah just go back to the channel so zoom in a little bit so we can see all the views mm-hmm. zoom in zoom in zoom in zoom in okay so fifty-one thousand. it's voter stun uh zoom in okay so putin people are interested in putin more than they're interested in new york you gotta yeah. be kidding me Trump's poll numbers are making things. They're more interested in his poll numbers yeah. than their interest. So that's higher. Mm-hmm. Biden responds to Putin. Okay, they're interested in that. Sweep in condemnation. Everyone reacts to, okay, uh, 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 589. What's the next one? Uh, a retired colonel on potential impact of 300,000. Uh, more Russian war troops. In Russia. Yeah, exactly. But, but, the, but the, the Michael Cohen, 599, okay? Yeah. Nothing is in the millions. The voters are telling you, CNN, move on and let's see who's going to get elected. What are your thoughts on this? Just looking at the optics and the numbers, Stuart. Yeah, no, I, listen, I, I agree. I thought it was a non factor. In fact, you know, generally speaking, uh, the attorney general of New York would have initiated a civil investigation, meaning they would have gotten a complaint uh, through the channels and they would have investigated it. And then if they would have realized that there may have been criminal conduct, they refer it to either the feds or to the county of which who would have jurisdiction. In this case, and what is left out is that New York County and also the Southern District of New York had already investigated this and had already come to the conclusion that it was a non-issue, that there were no criminal violations. So now this woman who all of a sudden has some, you know, the holy grail is trying to suggest now not only are we going to commence civil civil litigation, but we have the smoking gun to suggest that we have now evidence of some crime that has been committed. It's hogwash. It's it's nonsense. And as I told you off camera, I said I bought a lot of popcorn. I'm going to sit on my couch. I'm going to eat the popcorn and watch this sideshow because it's ridiculous. Uh, I think that um, as I watch the news and uh, obviously in the Hispanic community, um, everybody watches CNN, Telemundo, right? And um, this is making news too. And I think that uh, the more I talk to the Hispanic community, uh, like going back to what you were pointing about, 341,000 views, they have no idea, Pat, that they are pushing so many people to become Trump fans. Well, you, when you push somebody so much, you get to wonder, why do you hate them so much? That's what ends up happening. Like kind of what happened with Andrew Tate. A lot of people didn't know who Andrew Tate was up until you canceled him. Now everybody's looking him up. Right, and I think that that's what's happening right now. That they're just uh, um, people are waking up and like wondering, like, man, this guy scares you if you're doing that much. You're sending the FBI to his house, and you're doing everything. Every time you turn on the news, Spanish too. There's Jorge Ramos. There's Paola Ramos, which is his daughter, which was part of a. A lot of people don't know Hillary Clinton's um, uh, uh, when she was running for president. Jorge Ramos's daughter was part of that 
camp. And she was going to have a position mm. in the White House. So a lot of people didn't know that. So he was politically motivated to go against Trump. But you turn on the news, everything's Trump. Trump. Like, bro, he's been out of office for two years. But the more they do this and they do things like this, it starts to push people towards them as opposed to against them. And this is gonna, this is backfiring, and it's backfiring nasty, especially in our community. They just did a poll that 55% of Hispanics are now flipping to become uh, to voting for Trump in 2024 if, if he decides to run, if he's going to run, if whatever. 55%. 55%. Well, he was at a he was at, he's at a fifty five percent approval rating. He was only at a, a twenty twenty five percent in two thousand sixteen. Yeah, interesting. Is that Trump or the Republican Party? No, Trump specifically. Bro, Mexicans don't know nothing about the Republican Party. They only they only associate Republican Party with Trump. With Trump. That's it. It's it's they're 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 you know they're not even magnets. They're just like yeah. this is ridiculous, you know. And they're seeing especially they're being affected with their income, mm-hmm. with the with the gas so prices. Did you, did you watch Did you watch the interview last night with Hannity? Did you did you catch it? I did. I watched the whole. Yeah, thing. and you know what's interesting? Just listening to him, uh, and and going back and forth, and you know, he's his usual self, and he, you know, Hannity took a shot at FBI, like not a shot shot, but he was kind of trying to set him up to take a shot at FBI. And Trump's like, listen, I, there's a lot of great agents there. Like most of them are very respectful to me. Most of them are very good. Most of the FBI agents are great people. I don't know if you caught that when he's. I'm sure you I did. No, that because, I did because, yeah. it, it, like I said, when Donald Trump was a businessman in New York City, yeah. he did interact a lot, not only with the FBI, but all across local law enforcement. Right. And he he was well respected and well liked. By the law enforcement, he probably party. even threw parties for them or something. You know, he was very, he was very ceremonial, yeah, very I bet. ingratiating. I bet he was, and he said, "Look, and if you go back and listen, yeah. he said the men and women in the field offices are not the problem. It's the ivory tower, meaning it's the seventh sure. floor mentality. That's and that is where there is a disconnect. These cases are being driven at a headquarters in a particular, you know, floor." not the field offices. Mm-hmm. Can I give some stats to essentially what Ricky is showing? So you see this one right here that says The Point, CNN, it's the bottom right. Mm-hmm. It's probably the most viewed video on the page right there, if you scroll yeah, in on that. Yeah, six, okay. uh, 699. Exactly. So I actually watched that, and this is 0% my opinion. I'm just summarizing what this was, the most viewed video on CNN in the last uh, 24 hours. Aside from the Putin one. Aside from Putin. Okay, expect, respect. So what Ricky is saying is that he's been out of office for the last two years, which he has. And essentially the story here is that most presidents, when they leave office, when they look back at the poll numbers uh, or approval ratings, people will kind of say, all right, you know, George W. Bush has been out of office for a few Forgiving years. Forgiving a little bit. They forgive yeah. him. All right, yeah. Obama's been out. And they're, they're like, if they leave office, their approval ratings maybe are at 50%. And then in retrospect, you know what? He wasn't so bad. It goes right. up to 60%. The challenge that Trump is having right now is that he's never really left office. When is he? I mean, technically, I mean, I'm not going QAnon. He's left office, okay? But, but he's, he's been, been in, in the, the news. And- he's been campaigning. January 6th, Mar-a-Lago. He's not escaping the media attention. So the poll numbers reflect exactly what they were the day that January 6th happened. So if you want to, this is, again, these numbers... Now, I understand a million people have basically gone over to the Republican Party, a lot of Latinos. Everything you're saying is actually factual. But if you take this at its word, and I'm going to read some poll numbers, and obviously I'll give the disclaimer. I don't know if you can believe poll numbers, how much are they right, how much are they accurate. So I'll just read you the numbers. Nobody's asked me. You can extrapolate. Exactly. I've never been asked the poll numbers. But the poll numbers basically show that Trump still remains very unpopular. Here are the numbers. So this is this is NBC. Um and also Quinnipiac. I don't know how much credibility you put there. Again, yeah. not my opinion. Like Stewart said, I'm just reading the facts that were given to me. Uh, this is national voters. 34% have a positive 
outlook on Trump, 54% negative. That's NBC. That's national registered voters. Now, according to Quinnipiac, it's the same positive, 34% favorable, 57% unfavorable. Essentially, one in five have a very positive outlook on Trump, 46% of a very negative outlook on Trump. And the major, 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 major factor is all the January 6th coverage. Again, I'm just re- I'm summarizing what he said there. I think they're I think they're, tar- they're they're knowing who to ask, because if you ask ten people that believe things like you, they're gonna you're gonna have a hundred percent approval. You're not asking mm-hmm. us. Nobody's asking us. Nobody's gonna control our community and asking us or the or our communities. Nobody's asking us. Okay, it depends uh, look, you, if, if you want to dismiss the numbers, I well, can't, I'm not I can't, I can't I'm tell not, you no, no, to I'm believe them or not. Yeah. Yeah. I can give you. Let me tell you what polls I don't trust. I don't trust the Fox poll. I don't trust the CNN poll. I don't trust the NBC poll. I don't trust an ABC poll. I'll I'll trust Pew Gallup ish. And uh, maybe one other. Mm, and all the other stuff is going to be like, a little bit... Like, who are they asking? People in their office? Yeah. Do you see it in office? I'm with you on this. I've you know never I mean? been asked like, for a poll never. ever. Okay, but, zero. So I hear you on this. But here's the anomaly, yeah. and this is something I talk about just talking to my neighbors, which is mind-bound. When you go to the gas pump, mm-hmm. they don't ask you before you put your ATM card in, are you a Dem- Democrat or a Republican, right? Right. And you pay the same ungodly amount. I just filled up, I think it was five twenty nine a gallon for premium, right? It's $7 a gallon okay, in premium so, in, so in p- California. Okay, yeah, so pick whatever. You're not going to get any sympathy from Ricky. Yeah, yeah, so, right, right, so, so here's where I'm going. Worse out so there. here's, here's where I'm going. We've got a good in Florida. Right, so let's, whatever it is, here's what it is. Yeah, it's the point. As Trump was asked last night by Hannity, gas prices were below $2 when he left office. Prior to him leaving office, I think he said in November or October, they were like $1.89. What is am- amazing to me is if I talk to someone who is so steadfast hatred for mm-hmm. Donald Trump, I, this is unbelievable. And this is where you have to say cuckoo. They hate him so much, they, they immediately pay the, pay the $7 yep. or $5 for gas. Yeah. Than to have gas at a yep. dollar fifty or dollar eighty nine. Yeah. Now here's the other thing, you go to the supermarket, you know groceries were very reasonable when Donald Trump was in office. Now mm-hmm. you go to buy a gallon of milk, it's like six dollars, right? Yes. Everybody has to pay the same thing, whether you're Hispanic or mm-hmm. African American or whatever. Mm-hmm. Everybody goes to the supermarket. They don't ask for your voter registration card. It's amazing though that Biden has been able to use as a scapegoat for his failures, placing it directly on Donald Trump. Now, what is crazy about that is Donald Trump moved the meter and moved us so far ahead where we became so uh, energy, you know, non-reliant upon, independent and gas and and food and employment and everything was so great. Mm -hmm. And listen, I'm the first one to say, if he only could have kept his obnoxious side and closed behind closed doors and not have brought it in front of the podium, he would have been better received. Mm -hmm. But the bottom line was he was no nonsense. If he had to get from A to B, he's got there as quickly as possible. He cut out all the bureaucratic nonsense. He'll run you over. Correct. What's wrong with that? Stuart, I agree with you, but I'm going to kind of circle back. You're kind of proving my point is that people will vote against their own self-interest. I'll pay a dollar more for in hatred, taxes for a hatred just for a to man. not see his face. And that's essentially my point, is that, yes, I agree with you. Why wouldn't you want lower inflation, lower taxes, lower gas pumps, lower consumer price index? Of course you want to pay lower. But to not see Donald Trump's face, 
I'll pay an extra dollar. And that's the whole point of these polls. You're essentially proving my point. I agree with you. Uh, I want to pay less in taxes. But what about, but I want to pay less. But he's not but running. But people are, are, Democrats, I don't know, it's not breaking news. I don't know if it's CNN. Democrats tend to be a little bit more emotional than Republicans. Yeah, no so, shit. Okay, so they'll see it. You know, John, uh, thank you, Pat. That smile means a lot to me. They see Donald Trump and they get triggered. Whether it's right or wrong, it's fact. It happens. Well, okay? I'm learning. I'm reading well, stoicism. I'm trying to be less emotional here. But Democrats aren't haven't come around. Hold it together, buddy. It's going to be all right. To my Take best. a quick woosa and we'll be all right. Okay, we if we can, uh, uh, we have a guest that just joined us here, uh, Congressman uh, U.S. Representative Scott Perry from Pennsylvania's tenth uh, district. He's a retired Pennsylvania Army National Guard Brigadier General who just recently, the FBI came up to him and asked him for his phone, and we'd like him to share that experience with us. So. Uh, 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 Scott Perry, thank you for being a guest here on the podcast. Well, thanks so much. I sure appreciate it. Um, look, it's not something you aspire to. Uh, we get uh, one month of the year that we can kind of plan to be with our family, some of it. And uh, that month is August. So uh, my family, it's expensive, but we so we all pitch in and we rent a little house down at the beach at the shore down at the Jersey Shore. And uh, we spend, you know, time with the with uh, the kids, with their grandparents and their uncles and aunts and those type of things. And, of course, you don't expect a knock on the door at nine o'clock on the in the morning at, at the shore house because, um, you, you know, you're you're not you're there with people, you know, and people that know you don't knock on the They just come in. So I answered the door and, of course, I'm greeted with three by three guys in suits at the beach, which is kind of out of character. So. Uh, they said, good morning, Congressman. We're here to take your phone. I just happened to have the phone in my hand. And I said, you know, I put it in my pocket and I said, you know, I'm not giving you anything uh, until you, you know, you prove uh, that you have the authority uh, to do that. And of course, you know, look, I looked through the paperwork. Uh, I looked through their badges and so on and so forth. And, uh, you know, they started asking me questions. And look, I'm a guy who grew up revering the FBI, the CIA, yep. uh, people in uniform, so this is so out of character, but of course, I, you know, I'm living in the world of today in America. So when they started asking me questions politely, I said, look, I got nothing to say to you people. Um, and so, you know, we went through the, the process. They give me a receipt, tell me they're bringing it back, you know, today when they're done uh, taking an image of it. And, uh, and they said, do you have any questions for me? And I said, yeah, I got a question for you. How did you find me here? course i know how they found me there they're holding in their hands now how they found me there but i wanted them to say it uh and and wow. the gentleman kind of got a smirk on his face and he said it's just what we do and he said we'll contact you when uh when we're ready to you know give you your phone back and i said well i don't have a phone to contact me so <laughs> can you call my chief of staff and let her know so she can let me know you know, call my wife or what have you. But I didn't look what I didn't want to have happen was have the FBI knock on the door and have my elderly, you know, in their 80s, father-in-law and mother-in-law have to go to the door and deal with that. It's just not it's not appropriate. And uh, and and they said, well, what's her number? I said, well, I don't know. It's in my phone. And the guy says to me, well, it's not like we're going to go rifling through your phone. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Uh, I said, look, I don't give you authorization to do anything, but I give you authorization to get my number for my chief of staff out of my phone. Hours and hours later, my father-in-law is calling my, my wife. We're down at the beach with my kids. 
and, um, and, and he says the FBI's here. So, oh, great, you know. So I pack up, you know, look, I'm a typical dad at the beach. I got a cart with all the kids' toys, yep. the blanket, the umbrellas, all that, chairs, all that stuff, right? I pack it up like a pack mule. I send my kids back to the house. Uh, and, you know, I start heading up the street. You know what I'm looking for. Not hard to mm-hmm. find it to shore. Black SUV parked on a side street. I stop pushing my cart. I walk over towards the, towards the vehicle. Of course, all these guys jump out, walk up to me with paperwork, my phone. I said to the gentleman, I said, sir, why could you not honor your commitment? He said, what commitment was that? I said, the commitment you made to call my chief of staff instead of bothering my, my father-in-law and my mother-in-law. And he said, well, we couldn't find her. Oh, come on. I thought that's what you do. You know, so that, that was my experience. You know, they took an image of the phone. And I'm, I'm sure, look, I'm sure they, they're trying to do the paperwork to say they want to look inside the phone at this point. But uh, unfortunately, uh, I'm a little skeptical living in the world today, watching what's happening. I'm sure they have everything they need off the phone to start with. Now, you said a lot of things there. Uh, one, uh, you said you asked them how they find you. And yeah. you said, I'm sure uh, I know how they found me. I, I, I want to say, are you insinuating that the phone and working with an Apple or whoever the phone company is, they located you that way? Is that, is that kind of what you're thinking? Yeah, that's exactly what I'm thinking. I, it's not like I announced to the world, hey, I'm going to be at this address out of town on yeah. this day. You know, we live in a dangerous world. I got young children that I'm trying to shield from, you know, the rampant crime running across America right now, courtesy of the leftist Democrats. So I don't announce those kind of things. I tell people after the fact, hey, I was just at so-and-so. Right. This is what, you know, but it's after the fact. Uh, and, and so obviously, look, we're, we're glad that they can go after terrorists and criminals and use technology to do that. Unfortunately, this is now the new surveillance state where parents who have the gall to go to a school board meeting, a school that they pay for in their taxes right. under penalty of law, by the way, and have the gall to question what the school is teaching their children. You know, the FBI and the Department of Justice puts a threat tag on them. That's the world we live in today. Now, to, to follow up with that, you know, are you Droid or are you Apple? What, what kind of a phone? Uh, you? I, I've, I've got an iPhone. Okay, so you got case. an iPhone. I remember, you know, when the whole San Bernardino thing happened, I don't know if you remember yeah. how much heat sure. Tim Cook got for not uh, giving the information. And recent book that just came out called After Steve, meaning after Steve Jobs, uh, uh, they specifically right. talked about how the government didn't like Tim Cook because he was close with Trump and he was close with both presidents and They're like, how is it that you're going to be close to a guy like that? It's going to be, listen, this guy calls. I, I deal with him. So, And uh, Tim Cook, most people don't even know, he was a former Republican is what he was, Tim Cook growing up. I know that's going to sound strange, but that's a complete different conversation. The other part of it is, so, you know, they said they're going to bring the phone back. Uh, I'm assuming they haven't yet brought the phone back. No, they have. They okay, have brought they it did. back. And yeah. how much after yeah. did they bring it back? How much? How many days after did they bring well, it back? Well, they, they said it was going to be a couple hours. It was the length of the whole day, which okay, quite honestly I didn't believe a couple hours. But why say a couple hours? It's going to take all day. I mean, why not just be truthful about it? So how about this now? Now that you experienced that, have you changed your approach and philosophy on how you're you know, handling your phones, because, you know, most of the time, a lot of people have two phones, you know, especially yeah, people yeah. in your kind of a, a position, you have to have two phones. Yeah. One is going to be working personal. Yeah. Has, has anything yeah. with your approach changed? 
Uh, quite honestly, it hasn't. Uh, look, my life's an open book. I don't say anything on the phone that I wouldn't say publicly. You know, yeah, I objected to the electors and I explained to the world why. I called for investigations. I called for audits. I explained why. Those positions haven't changed. What my concern, so I'm not concerned about what I've said on my phone, what I've said. I can't control what other people send me, number one. Number two, I absolutely can't control what the FBI, the Department of Justice, the CIA, the NSA, any of those three-letter alphabet organizations will put on my phone. I can't control that, and neither can anybody else. Yeah, that's not comfortable for me because I, no, it's no one's not. it's no one's business to see what I'm telling my wife, my kids, my that sure. part. There is zero. Uh, I am zero tolerance for that. Now, let me ask you: What happens if you don't give the phones? Let's just say the FBI FBI does show up, and you're like, "I'm not giving it to you." What would they do to you? Uh, I think they would turn you around, put you in handcuffs, and haul you away. I is mean, that, look, that's that's that the that's the new police state that we live in. Understand? On this phone is attorney-client privilege. I asked them. I said, look, if you wanted the phone, why don't you just contact my attorneys? You know, I have attorneys now because of this whole J6 charade, right? This, this so-called committee. And the one agent said, oh, you have so-and-so and so-and-so as your attorneys. I said, yeah, why don't you just call them? And no answer to that. Um, so, uh, again, this is, this is the world that we live in. And um, you, I, I, you just got to live that way, knowing that at any moment – this could ha- look. They're after me at this moment. They're after Mike Lindell, Donald Trump, John Eastman, Jeffrey Clark. You name it. The list is long and distinguished. But that's us today. It's going to be everybody else. And they just they just hired eighty seven thousand or paid yep. to hire eighty seven thousand IRS agents. Do you think they're going after you know uh, the guy that owns uh, Amazon, Jeff no. Bezos? Do you think they're going? Yeah, they're going not going after Mark Zuckerberg. They're coming after people that pay some guy 25 bucks to, to cut the lawn. That, that, you know, some, some lady that's trying to work three jobs to pay for gas, food, and uh, the cost of living right now, who, who, who then said, well, I, I'm not at home, so I'm going to hire somebody for, you know, 20 bucks to clean the house. You know, that, that's who they're coming for. It, it, so it's me today. It's you tomorrow. Congressman Stuart Kaplan, former FBI, now practicing attorney. Question, was the legal process to get your phone was a search warrant? Yes, it was. All right. Now, Congressman, because I've been in that situation, I will assume the technology that's out there that the Bureau uses is called Cellbrite, and that's a software that will mirror your phone. I assume the conversation went something like this. Listen, Congressman, let's make your life a lot easier. Give us your password. Because if you don't give us the password, we're going to keep your phone infinita. It may take us up to a year or two to crack that code. So I assume you realized that I would need my phone back, so you cooperated and gave your password. Is that correct? Essentially, yeah. Did I script it almost exactly? And so you realize, though, sir, and I would have counseled you, though, and that's only because I've been there. I would have said, listen, agents, good to meet you. Go pound sand. Here's my phone, but I'm not giving you my password. And good luck cracking that code. By the way, I'm cracking an Apple iPhone probably a year, maybe even longer. Uh, and by that time, you know, who knows what happens. But listen, in any event, I just wanted to make sure I understand the legal process. Now, I have a question for you because this will maybe sure. cast some information that may assist the viewing audience. Uh, you were left a copy of the warrant. What district or what jurisdiction was that warrant issued out of? Uh, 
boy, I, I can't remember. I don't know if it was in uh, New Jersey or Washington, D.C. I, actually, I think it was in Pennsylvania. And they went got, went to where you were in Pennsylvania, got that warrant. Okay, but you, I, is I it, think that I think so. I'm not a lawyer, so look. And I don't travel with a lawyer. I appreciate your counsel now. I wish I had taken that. <laughs> no, but, but oh, normally, he's for hire there, no, but norm- normally they'll have a uh, AUSA's number on it that if your lawyer has any questions, you can contact this AUSA. I assume it, it was a 202 number. Someone in D.C.? Someone out of justice? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think okay. so. And I, yeah. Guess, I guess I could have said, you know, before I hold, before I hand you the phone, let me contact my attorney. No, you know? I understand but, that. Uh, no, and Congressman, and listen, again, because we're having open attorney-client communications at this point. Now, I'm joking, but do I understand, and, and this is what would begrudge me, and again, this goes to my point where I think the Bureau has really taken a bad turn here. Congressman, do and, and by the way, you don't have to answer this. I'm making light of it because I probably already know the answer. Do I understand that prior to the agent showing up at your beautiful vacation retreat, your lawyers or you had zero contact with anybody through DOJ telling you or asking their curiosity to just sit down and talk to you about what may be in your phone? This was just all no contact whatsoever. Yeah. So, okay. you know, the, 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 the and, day they showed up was right. the day I learned about it. Right. No. And, and there lies the rub with me. And I will tell you that, you know, in addressing and investigating political figures such as yourself, it goes to the highest level up to the director of the FBI. And, and when I sure. say up to the director, there's got to be 20 Indian chiefs in between the director and who has to sign off on that. And that's where begrudgingly I have a problem because so many eyes had to have seen this and the optics and the perception is so bad and just is so distasteful that someone like yourself who now has said, and I think I've heard you say this, I'm an open book, whatever I would say, on camera or off camera is going to be the same. So I assume, Congress, if anybody had any interest in talking to you, you would have sat down and told them what you would have answered their questions. If the Department of Justice or FBI would have called my my attorneys and said, look, we want to sit with the congressman, we want to look at his phone or whatever, it's not the J6 so-called committee, which is a a sham, right? That's a one-sided star chamber that already has determined the outcome before they ever talk to anybody, right? But this is different. No, a level playing field. was never made. Right. and, 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 if, and if I can add this, because, because this is something that you will find, I think, particularly interesting and egregious, the inspector general, we found out the inspector general was involved in the decision to come seize my phone, the FBI and DOJ inspector general. And, and the How reason, do you like that? Well, I'll tell you what the reason is. The reason is because after the fiascos that have been going on and on and on, there is now an inspector general investigation with respect to the ethics and the integrity of what's going on in in uh, at the FBI headquarters. And yeah, but so, this this is this is the day after they raided the president's yeah. house. The, the inspector general was involved in the seizure of a sitting member of Congress's phone, and I don't say it that way because I'm better than anybody else. I'm just Citizen Perry, right? But but at the same time, they know that there's there's attorney-client privilege on this phone because they know it's my personal yeah. phone. And they know I have an attorney. So says the FBI agent that I spoke to on the street. But also I'm a sitting member of Congress. And in the Constitution, there's this thing called speech and debate, which protects the legislature from the king, from the executive branch, because the king or the president isn't supposed to be able to intimidate or coerce legislators to do what he wants to bend to his will, to bend the knee 
and, and to not say thing on behalf of their constituent, his constituents. Um, and, and of course, they're trying to pierce that veil right now. And I'm alone out here in the world trying to hold back the, the kingdom of President Biden yeah. against a couple hundred years of, of, of you know, of courts and, and decisions and litigation that 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 separates the legislative branch from the executive branch so that we don't have a kingdom. Yeah. Well, you know, the travesty and the concern and listen, I'm sure you have very learned and experienced counsel, but my immediate concern and which is serious is this cell bright technology does not differentiate between attorney client privilege communications and that that may just be not. not. And the problem with that is you realize that a case agent or the evidence response team is going to go through each and every communication in that phone, whether it's privileged or not. And there lies the rub where you would have and should have had the opportunity to have your lawyers say, look, I'll tell you what, we're going to segregate the congressman's phone. We will download the phone mutually at a mutually agreeable time and location. But we are going to, before we turn over, we're going to segregate that information that we know is attorney-client privileged and should not fall into the hands of the Department of Justice. And there is where there's an agreement put in place to protect someone like himself and to protect all of us. So I got two questions for you. Well, what, what, what about my conversations with my constituents that are that, that, where they talk about their health issues? Or what about conversations with other legislators about whatever legislation President Biden might not like or my opinions about it or strategies maybe to make sure that it doesn't pass or that we put some. What about all of that? Why is that not speech and debate? And how does the executive branch now have entree to all that stuff and then use it not only against me, but every single member of my colleagues who I've had a conversation with? So I got two questions for you. So one is, so the sure. part about you can hand the phone over and not give the password. What happens if I do that? You're the FBI agent. No, you're not so on the door. Stu- you're stuck. I say, here's my phone. Good, uh, that you've, actually, you've complied with the warrant. You ask me for password. If I say, I'm not going to give it to you. No. What, what can you do? So what they can do is they can they could try to bring you before a court under a contempt threat of contempt and try to get you to compel to give you the password. But those cases are limited to national security where there's imminent threat to national security. Okay, so Peter so so, so perfect. So Peter struck yesterday uh, not yesterday, a couple of days ago tweets this. On September 14, he tweets this, and I would share it, but I'm uncomfortable. It may drop you, so we're not going to risk sharing it. We'll share it afterwards. He says, uh, uh, at this point, FBI may have more cell phones than Verizon, okay, than a Verizon store. Giuliani, uh, Victoria Townsend, Michael McDonald, Scott Perry, he's referencing you, John Eastman, Jeff Clark, Boris Epstein, Mike Roman, Mike Lindell, and then this is the last sentence, and this is a question for you and and, and, uh, Congressman Perry. The FBI can't seize any of them without probable cause. They contain evidence of a crime. Is he right about that last statement? All right. So what the reason why I asked the congressman now, it doesn't necessarily mean that the congressman, and by the way, again, I'm not trying to encroach your learned counsel, but that a affidavit in support of a search warrant does have to suggest that there's crime, there's criminal, there's fruits that may be borne out in seizing that item. That doesn't necessarily mean the recipient of the search warrant is a target or a subject of the criminal activity. The congressman could have been talking to or communicating with someone else who may be the subject and target. But And that begs 
a little bit of the rub here because generally speaking in my world, they would be able to get that side of the conversation through that other individual, meaning serve the execu- execute the warrant against that other individual. So if there's a search warrant that was executed for the seizure of the congressman's phone, there is an affidavit that's under seal, by the way, and this is different than Donald Trump. His affidavit, he does not, and I will assume, Congressman, you haven't been given the affidavit, correct? I have not. I have not, but I have. But we confirmed confirmed that day with the Department of Justice. My attorneys confirmed that I am not the target of the investigation. I'm from taking the phone. So that tells me then someone that he was talking to or allegedly someone he was communicating with is a target or subject of a criminal investigation and either their content of that communication is unavailable or no longer available. And the only way they were trying to then get that communication was through this witness. So these, so the congressman at best would be a witness. So, so then, so then this is the last question. And then uh, uh, Congressman Perry, if you got any final thoughts for the audience or any rebuttal on what I'm asking here is, so what if in that moment, the three FBI agents are standing in front of the New Jersey uh, waterfront home that he's on vacation for, uh, for a month in a month of August, it's August 14th, I believe is the date. What if in that moment he says to his, one of his kids, hey, guys, can you go to the garage, grab a hammer, bring the hammer out, and I start breaking the phone? I think somebody's done this before in the past. What if he starts breaking the phone right in front He'd of the FBI? He'd be immediately agent? arrested and charged with obstruction of justice immediately. And How come that didn't happen in the past? Well, look, the difference is, and I know who we're, we're talking about. Of course. Okay? Sweetheart. So she, listen, but she was not the recipient at the time, she took chemicals and a sledgehammer to destroy a, 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 a computer server. Had she done that in realizing that a that a search warrant was imminently being served upon her and did that, that individual would be charged with obstruction and tampering and destroying of evidence. I was trying to give you an idea, but apparently that uh, what she did in the past, that wouldn't work for you. You had to hand the phone over. Final thoughts, Congressman Perry, with everything that's going on right now, with what they did with Trump yesterday. I'm sure you saw that as well with, uh, you know, Attorney General. What are your thoughts with that taking place specifically last 24 hours? Look, the tyranny is just going to ratchet up. If people think that this is going to slow down, unfortunately, I think they're wrong. This is just beginning. And and while today, you know, they they're breathing easy because they're at work and it's 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 Perry, it's Trump, it's Eastman, it's all the people, Vince, Victoria Tensing, all these people that you name, it's their problem. Tomorrow, it's going to be your problem. If you don't get it, the, this tyranny that is sweeping across the country, it is you, the, the Democrats, the leftist Democrats have now weaponized the instruments of federal power and are using them against their political rivals in the United States of America. It's why people whisper when they give you their opinions. It's why people don't want to be involved. They don't want to come to events. They don't want to be associated with, uh, uh, you know, political parties yeah. or political candidates. This is a breathtaking departure from the First Amendment, this, the Fourth Amendment, uh, y- you name it. The Constitution is being shredded before us. And if we're going to save it, people of courage are going to have to be willing to stand up and, and prepare to take what's, what's coming. But we're all going to have to lock arms and fight this together. Well, listen, next year in August, if we find out through our own Intel team, if we know where you are for vacation, <laughs> we will send an Uber Eats to your front door with some ro- lobster, some bone-in ribeye, some foie gras, and we, we won't be asking for your phone. But uh, Congressman Perry, thank you so much for making the time for being a guest here on the podcast. 
Thank you. God bless you. Keep fighting the fight. Take care. Bye-bye. <clears throat> so, so literally, if they do come, I can say, here's the phone, but I'm not giving you the passport, no. and you're fine. Fifth Amendment. No entity, no, oh, no one right. can compel you to give testimony against yourself. Yeah, you can't self-incriminate. So, and it happens all the time. And those smart individuals, those individuals that are informed, say, sure, go ahead and take my phone. I'm not going to give you my password. And I will tell you, it is extremely disruptive and frustrating to an investigator. So you advise not what, to give the password. Uh, listen, whatsoever. I'm not, listen, I'm not going to advocate anything, but I will tell you this from my <laughs> from my own experience. So listen, <laughs> so listen. Now here's fact based versus you know fiction. Yeah. Okay, I'm special ops, and I've been tasked by the FBI to surveil someone and capture that individual's password while he's entering that password or to see if I can obtain that password in a public view, meaning I'm not invasion of privacy, I'm not violating the fourth or fifth or sixth amendment, but maybe the congressman is in, you know, I make a phone call to the congressman when he's in the supermarket and he takes his phone out because I know I have someone giving him a ruse call mm. and I'm looking over his shoulder and I can see what password he puts ah. in. Done all the time. Can you Very use cameras to... I can use anything I want oh, wow. as long as I'm not inv inv invading your legally protected right of privacy. So hence, if you're in a place that has video surveillance, for example, this room... We've got a couple I, videos and, in here. Okay, yeah. and I put my password in, there is no expectation of privacy. Now, I may think, you know, maybe, wow. but if someone captures my password, Shit. and, and listen, I need that password to get into your phone, there you go. Done all the now time. Now Ricky's not going to be under the but table, but Ricky. Done all the time. But let, me, uh -huh. but, let, but let me just tell you how this plays out, okay? Again, fact versus fiction. Anytime we would target public officials in public corruption or high-profile cases, you understand, very different than a Donald Trump individual, this congressman had a way, the equities, of the optics himself and the perception onto himself if he did not cooperate with the FBI. Because think of the headlines oh, that would be yeah. across oh, CNN God. or the New York Times. Congressman executed yeah. search warrant but fails or refuses to give his password. Complying. What's the conclusion then? He's, He's got guilty. something He's He's guilty. Guilty. He's high. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. You see, but listen, I believe, I still believe in our forefathers, and I still believe that all men, all men and women, are innocent until proven guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. And the fact that someone has a lawyer is in no way consciousness of guilt. And especially with the way the landscape is, you should have lawyers to keep everybody above board and the landscape even. That's why the scales of justice, by the way, have a blindfold. The lady of justice, mm -hmm. you know why she has a blindfold? Because she doesn't look at the individual. The scales are balanced because we're blinded. Yep. We just follow the facts. Well, listen, I have some people I've interviewed in the past before that would want to have you as a as their attorney. Yeah, that's for sure. So we may make an introduction. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> only if they can afford me. <laughs> well, what's the retainer? <laughs> Uh, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a decent sized retainer. Okay, he lives in Palm Beach. He's oh, from, yeah. you, you have to you have to come. So I, I want to I want to play devil's advocate and go to a completely different side with stories. One with Bill Barr, one with Ben Shapiro. Let's start off with Bill Barr. Okay, so Bill Barr comes out and says the following. He says uh, uh, Trump likes to call anyone who disputes false election fraud claims as a rhino. 
Former U.S. Attorney General Bill Barr uh, was responding to a rant Trump posted on Truth Social in which the former president said he had no guts and was a weak and pathetic rhino who was so afraid of being impeached. A rhino for him is anyone who disagrees with him with the election was stolen. He rebuked. He then recalled his childhood uh, when he was uh, he passed out uh, leaflets supporting Barry Goldwater, the Arizona senator who was known as one of the forefathers of the modern conservative movement. As someone who handed out Barry Goldwater literature when I was 14 years old on the Upper West Side, it's little it's a little silly to say that. What do you think about what Bill Barr is saying to Trump? Look, personally, in 2022 or 21 or 20 or 19, in this day and age, it's unimaginable and it's unacceptable to me personally that, quote unquote, the legitimacy of any election by the casting of one invalid ballot should ever happen. Meaning that if someone is filling out a ballot and is putting down information of a person who's deceased or knowingly is not here legally and not within their legal right to vote, and that vote is counted, to me personally, that makes the entire process illegitimate. Yeah. And whether it's the one vote to to cause someone to win or lose or whether or not it's just one vote that should not have been counted is enough for me as being an American living here in the United States of America that should say that we don't accept the election as is and it needs to be redone. And just by virtue of when you go to the airport, you have to show a passport, a photo ID, facial recognition, you know, this idea that I need to have an ID to prove who I am and that I am within my legal right as an American to cast a vote. And this idea, and again, please hold the hate mail, please, that in some way that's racist. I just can't accept that. Everybody who lives in the United States should be fundamentally uh, wanting that an election, whether you agree with it or not, needs to be legitimized by each and every vote that is cast. That's just my personal opinion, and I'm sorry. And so I don't get into the weeds of whether there was enough votes that were illegitimate to have changed the outcome, but I do know, and by the way, it's indisputable, that there was at least one vote that was cast that was illegitimate, meaning that there were votes that were cast that happened to be people that were dead. That, to me, illegitimizes the entire process. That's offensive to me personally, and that's offensive to me as being an American. But that's nothing yeah. new. This, I mean, there's always going to be one but, vote. But, in here's, entire, but, but here's the you're thing. You're talking 160 million votes, right? The you're going to throw away the whole election for one alleged vote? We live here in the United States of America. We are the richest nation on this planet. We are the most sophisticated. We Listen, people are going to give their lives to come into this community, into yeah, this into true. this country, right? Yeah. We see what's going on at the border. What other country in the world, by the way, what other country on the planet are people literally risking their lives to get into? None. None. Zero. Only the United States of America. So that should tell us as Americans that fundamentally we should ensure that each and every vote that is casted is legitimate. And that person is legally entitled. And by the way, here's where it offends me the most. When you are born here in the United States, by virtue of being born here, you have citizenship. You are an American. 
But I go back to, and this is where I find that we have gotten so far removed. My grandparents who immigrated from Russia and from Germany and fled, they spilt their blood. They gave their blood, their sweat and tears to come to the United States to work, live lawfully, contribute and provide. I think it's such a disrespect and such a slap in anybody's face who has come here legitimately and legally and who has gone through the process and waited the five, the six, the 10, the 20 years, whatever it took for them to get and obtain their citizenship. Listen, someone that works for me just got their citizenship. I am telling you when they speak of it, you would think someone died. You would think yeah. something horrible yep. happened. The emotion of the gratitude of what they exude and the feeling of appreciation to now saying they are a citizen is unbelievable. Mm -hmm. But it's so recognizable because you see the emotion yeah. coming out of these no individuals. Question about it. And how disrespectful is it to allow someone who's not here legitimacy to be able to cast a vote and to then skew the election. And so my my long-winded response is, yes, it should not be acceptable. We do it again. I'm sorry. Yeah, th there's a part of it. There's a part of it that I'll say to Fun. Remember back in the days we would take a test and it was uh, multiple choice, right? And then they would put it through the scanning machine thing. And you remember that whole yeah. thing? Yeah. 78%. Right? I mean, you remember yeah. that, right? Okay. Al Gore. And by the way, when I took my insurance license, I'll never forget this. I took my insurance license in November, December, January, like November, December of 01 uh, or January of uh, 02, right? When I went to California Department of Insurance and I took my insurance test, no joke. On the test, they gave you a paper test, okay? The answers were erased. You know how you circle and you erase? I don't know if you understand what yeah, I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, 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 yeah. They were circled and erased. I'm like, I'm looking at the latest, like, oh, don't worry about it. We don't have any more tests. Just take it. So it's like, but it's your risk. If you trust the guy that erased it, <laughs> she says it to me. Maybe the guy failed, so don't trust his answer. I'm like, what is this all about? It's so confusing. I'm sitting, I'm like, okay, shit, I'm going to go here with this one. <laughs> it was such a weird scenario. But back then, guess what? There was more opportunity for manipulation today go take your series seven when i took my series seven i sat in culver city and everything was five cameras on you while you're taking your series seven no joke i'm sitting there everything was computerized they're watching exactly what you're doing they check the id everything everything was so detailed so let me get this straight if i can get my series seven and you're so concerned to see that it's really me Taking my series, you mean to tell me you, we can't make it the same exact way? And the level of insult to believe that immigrants are not intelligent enough or capable enough to go get a driver's license or an ID, that is an insult to all the smart immigrants living in America. So it's a very, that's the part where it's a little wishy-washy. Why protect it? So you're more worried about seven and a license. Anyways, that's a, that's, a, that's a part that's a little bit disturbing. Meaning, I'm not sitting here saying yay or nay. I'm part of your camp where I think it's always happened, right? I think fraud, uh, uh, election fraud has always happened. Mm -hmm. Do we, Mayor, do we, whatever. We can go back and give a bunch of stories of all these 7,000 dead people in Chicago voted for you know Kennedy and they never needed it in the first place. However, that is not an excuse for us to use the type of technology we have. I love 
Global entry. You know what I love about global entry? Here's what I love about global entry. Are you global entry or not? I'm clear now. I, I love global. I'm clear and global entry. Yeah, I love But clear. I love global entry more because I just got back from Madrid a week ago or two weeks ago. And I walk up and I just go global entry. I uh, have to go always down because they, they have it for five, eight heights or five. So I went like this. It sees my eyes. Boom. Go through. I don't have to wait with 600 people. So if I can get global entry and they are able to see my eyes, and it takes a second. You mean to tell me we can't do voting where I go? Boom. Yep, it's Patrick Bet David vote. This is what I want to go. I think that is bullshit, and that's an excuse. I think we have plenty of capabilities right now, many different places to know exactly who's voting for, for what. And you, I'd, I'd be so curious to know if we did that, how dramatic well, the, a change the thing it is, would the be. The thing is, that I think that what, hap- what happens is that you know, being part of Lexit, the Lexit, uh, Latinos exiting the Democrat Party uh, group, we, we have these conversations all the time. And letting in, for example, they've let in 2 million, 2 million um, record-breaking, record-breaking yeah. uh, uh, illegal immigrants into the country. Now, I'm, I'm, we're immigrants. My parents, both of them came here illegally at the beginning. But now my dad's a citizen and my mom is a resident. Everybody in their, my family has papers for the most part. Um, but but the point is that um, if, they, if they push these laws like Georgia just did, then what they can do is that they're sending these 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 immigrants to the states <clears throat> like swing states and they're trying to push the ID voter ID law calling it racist because now you have a whole new voting block. Mm-hmm. So when you let in, like for example my my grandpa talks about um Ronald Reagan like if he was almost like a god because hmm. he's the one that gave amnesty. My grandpa remembers that. So so to his it, 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 there's a dynamic to it. some people don't understand hispanics are very loyal extremely loyal they're loyal to their church they're loyal to their pastors they're loyal to their parents and they're loyal to anybody that gives them some help not all of them but for the majority sure. part that, that so much that you can you can you can literally you can you can you can show them that the person that they've been helping them for 10 years or whatever the case may be is a fraud and they will not go against that person that's how deep that loyalty goes so when you're letting in so many Hispanics and you tell them, oh, in, 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 oh, you know, Biden was president, Biden, Biden, all Democrats, Biden, Democrats, Biden, Democrats, their loyalty will be there. So when it's time to go vote, and that's why they want to get rid of the voter IDs because they're illegal. So if you're illegal and you don't have an ID, but you can still vote, that's a whole new voting block. So that, that's kind of where, you know, from where the conversations we're having with Lexit is that's where this is going because they know you're going to use their emotions. Hispanics are very, we have more soap poppers than any other, any other country in the world, any other race in the world. We have more soap poppers. We're emotional people. Mm. Soccer, they, everything's emotional. And so like when you go to the games, it, watch the games where people are fighting. There's more fights in the Dodger stadium than any other stadium in the country. <laughs> And it's always Hispanics. When is it ever white guys or black guys fighting? It's always Hispanics. They're very emotional. Yeah. So you let them in. We let you in. Oh, boom. You had a new voting block. For I would put Raiders in there as well, by the way. Raiders and... Of uh, course. It's Oakland. Yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> Vegas. But it's when you watch... Yeah. The, if you pay attention, Pat, you see the, the fights yeah. at the, at the studio, at stadiums. It's never whites or blacks. It's always Hispanics. Well, you know, one time we took about 100 people there. A guy, I don't know you would know this guy or not. One of our guys... Uh, uh, you definitely would know who this guy is. And Hispanic, he's Cuban, and I think he's Puerto Rican. You, I think yes, you know who I I'm know exactly about. who it is. Can't do fight out of Dodgers. No games. way. <laughs> yeah, but this is like, I want to say 15 years ago, 13 yeah. years ago, classic story. Anyway, so, okay, so that's that part about the voting. I don't think anybody disputes if we can use global entry eyes, if we can yeah, use Series 7. Why not apply some of that? And if we did, <laughs> things, let, let me put it to you this way. If those, if my friends in my history class weren't sitting next to me when we're taking exams, 
and I always took the test by myself, I don't know by how much my score would be low. <laughs> Do you understand what I just said? So there's a part of it here that applies to this here as well. Now, next story. Ben Shapiro. Got a big following. Very loyal following. Great communicator. Okay? CEO and founder of Daily Wire. Said the following. This is a New York Post story. Ben Shapiro. GOP cruising for a bruising. By sticking with Trump, prominent right-wing media personality Ben Shapiro called on the Republican Party to ditch former President Donald Trump to boost the chances of winning elections. Shapiro suggested that GOP should nominate a non-Trump candidate in 2024 to make it harder for Democrats to appeal to independent voters. There is a reason Democrats are eager to keep Trump at the center of the conversation. Half of the independents say Trump is a major factor in their vote, and they're breaking 4-1 to one for the Democrats if he runs. Republicans shouldn't play uh, shouldn't play that game. If they do, they're cruising for bruising. Do you agree with them? Yeah. So you know, to some extent, I think one of the shortcomings of Donald Trump was it was too much about him, and not enough about the team that he had assembled in achieving the success that he did. Donald Trump did more for this country in the four years that he was in office politically, meaning in making our lives that much more prosperous than almost any other sitting president. The problem is that there's such distaste, and we've talked about it, that the hatred for the individual. Had Donald Trump put his party first, meaning had given more credit yeah. to the Republican Party, yeah. I think people would be more willing to stick to voting Republican, being, meaning being against the Democratic Party or against the agenda as it is today with Biden. And I do agree that it is a very savvy and smart uh, strategy that any association affiliation with Donald Trump will then cause even someone, as we talked about the gas prices, to say, I'd rather pay $7 than to see that guy back in office. Had the Republican Party taken the credit for us making us energy independent, gas at $1.50, then they would vote for Republican. The problem is, tethered with the devil, they're not going to vote for the Republican Party. I do believe there's some credence to that. Yeah, the most important vote in the country is the independent vote, by far and away. We already know if you're a Trump fan, if you're a MAGA, you're going to vote that way. You already know that if you're an Obama person, Democrat, you're going to vote that way. The independent vote is the most important voting block in the country, and they're typically in the Rust Belt, whether it's Ohio, Michigan, Iowa, you know, in that area. Now, I can only take... Um, Ben Shapiro at his word. And if we're going to take Ben Shapiro, who's a very educated, very smart wise, man, very at smart his guy. word, and he says Trump is a major factor and independents are breaking four to one to the Democrats, the alarm bell should be sounding for the Republican Party. If you nominate Trump, you're going to get what's coming to you. The independents are going to break towards whoever it is, and I would hate for it to be freaking Gavin Newsom. You're in California. You yep. get it. And if I, I've i said this loudly, proudly, I would vote for DeSantis in a heartbeat. Yeah. I'm not going to vote for a Donald Trump. Do you know, you know the easiest ad ever? The easiest ad ever the Democrats will do. Just play January 6th all throughout September, October, till voting day in November. Do you want more of this? And you're telling me, you're talking about emotional Latinos. You're yeah. talking about Democrats. Independence, they're going to see that and be like, yeah, I'll pay an extra dollar in gas. I'm good on this. Yeah, well, well, Word here, to the wise, listen to Ben Shapiro, yo. All right, so here's the retort to that. Sure. So you have a guy who walked into McDonald's in New York City last week and had an axe in his backpack. Yeah, I saw And that. he went and destroyed the McDonald's and obviously put the fear in all those patrons to think that they were within milliseconds of losing their life. Yeah. You know what his bail was? 
Zero. He signed himself out of jail. And the mayor and the police commissioner said, well, he really wasn't intending on hurting mm -hmm. anybody. He was just, you know, destroying property. Mm -hmm. Now, would you like to talk to the people that were in the McDonald's at the time this guy was wielding an axe and coming after them mm -hmm. face to face? So if yep. that's true, then God bless New York City to have that type of political affiliation and that type of continuation because we're going to be the lawless nation. Mm -hmm. If we're right, we are teetering. It's happening. It, and by the way, it's happening as we are watching it happen. And again, it's unbelievable that people are embracing that it's okay. Yeah, well, may I retort to your retort? Yes. Okay, you, you're an FBI agent, so you should have done your reconnaissance. Did you see what happened before that? Four people were beating the shit out of him. And he stood there getting pummeled. And then he reached into his backpack after escaping the ass whooping and got his axe. Okay, let so me I retort that. But I'm going to retort that. Was, what does that have to do with Donald Trump? The, people are not like a Donald Trump, Because though. Donald Trump is about law and order and gave the deference and the respect to mm -hmm. law enforcement. If you go back to Barack Obama, uh, but that still doesn't answer what Ben Shapiro well, had to say about independence. But it's, a, but it's a carryover when I think four or five police officers were shot and killed in Houston or Dallas. Which is disgusting. And Nobody he sat, Dallas. He, yeah. Dallas, thank you. And he sat on his hands and would not acknowledge the loss of life and how Obama. terrible. Obama. Disgusting. I under, but that sent, that set, mm -hmm. when you look back at how we argument. got to where we are mm -hmm. and you talk about all of these cases and all mm -hmm. these high profile cases, how do we get to the point where the general public to a large extent, whether it's true or not, has such a distaste for law enforcement is such yeah. a lack I got a question. of respect. I, I agree with question. you. I got I a basic agree. question. To you, okay, two questions. Okay, let's go through like, you know the whole question about if we were to start a country and we have mm -hmm. to recruit people to come and live in our new country, what is the first thing a mother would be asking? First question is what? How safe are my kids? How safe are my kids? Okay, do you think a mother feels safer the last two years or they felt the prior four years safer? Do you think they feel safer going to movie theaters, going to dinner, their kids going to school. Do you think they feel safer? Country, war, all of that's a purely safety. Safer or not safer? What do you think? You're saying since COVID, pre-COVID, post-COVID? Biden. So we're doing Biden, Trump. Purely a question on well, safer. Well, I mean, COVID was the in-between on all that. Um, I don't know. I'm not, I don't no, have he, kids. He's talking about violence type. Violence. Specifically, not, I'm yeah, talking about He's not talking about like the virus. To have people going out there, not COVID. Do you think families feel safer or less safer today? I don't know. I don't want to. You know the answer to the question. I don't. So I'm but, not going to. But, but, but you do. I'm know not going to give the answer you want to hear. But they're safer under but, Trump. You but, got okay, let me ask Is that you, what you want to hear? But it's not the point, though. It's no. a fact, though. It's a fact. People are scared nowadays. Okay. Do you think people in the borders, 2 million in the last 12 months, it's 2 million this year, it's 4.9 million the last two years, by the way, you're yeah, talking 2 million. Do you think people on the southern border feel safer the last two years or prior to that? Well, the southern border, that's, that's quote-unquote open these days, so I would assume people on the southern border fair, feel that less You're being safe. fair with that. Okay, do you think people are sitting their pockets, because that's how people think as mm -hmm. well, people are sitting there feeling better about their net worth retirement today or they did two years ago? Uh, two years ago. Okay, so now here's a question. How many baby boomers who were relying on retiring their money, they just lost 20% in their portfolio, are sitting there saying, I got to work till 70. I got to work till 71. More today or two years ago? Yeah, t two years ago. However, we, we can't discount COVID for being a factor for the lawlessness that we've seen. People have been locked up. Like, how, that's like saying this. Were there more fights on airplanes two years ago or more recently? 
I don't know any fights that were happening three years ago. All of a but sudden, that, but that's not all the, of a sudden, knuckleheads have been locked in their house. We can, but, are getting on fights and airplanes. Listen, people, dude, people have, there's a lot of pent up aggression. Biden, Joe Biden on 60 Minutes said COVID is over. Fauci lost his mind. Called the press conference saying it's not over. What he was trying to say is this. Mm-hmm. What he was trying to say this. And the president just said COVID is over. And everybody lost their mind. No, no, you can't say that because we can't do this again. We need people to still be scared of COVID. He just said it's over. Look, no one's wearing masks. Look at the dealership. Look at this. No one's wearing So, so the, the optics are, here's basic to me. Safety, economy, finances. People felt safer two years ago than today. Having said that, having said that, Florida Republicans, watch what Florida Republicans said. I don't know if you guys read this article or not. Florida Republicans prefer Ron DeSantis for president over Donald Trump in 2024 poll. This is an insider article. This is not a New York Post article. This is an insider article, which kind of goes to a, a part of what you're saying. You're saying I would much rather have, you know, a DeSantis over that. So mm-hmm. according to USA Today, again, this is a liberal poll. USA Today uh, a poll published Wednesday by Sioux Falk University. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis leads former uh, President Donald Trump 48% to 40 in a, in a hypothetical 2024 presidential prim- primary. There's a reversal from a similar poll in January in which Trump beat the best at DeSantis 47 to 40. So exact opposite. The poll found a strong lead for DeSantis despite respondents reporting that they feel economic conditions in Florida were worsened. Just 37% of voters said Florida's economy was excellent or good, down from 10% in January. So again, what I'm saying is policies, optics, but still even with that, more people agree with you today where they're trying to say, if I can get the same policies without all the other stuff that's coming with it. Mm-hmm. So this kind of contradicts what uh, 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 Ben Shapiro said. Because Ben Shapiro is saying, hey, they're kind of putting him out, out, out there so people are going to be wanting to have him. But the reality is independent voters 4 to 1. But USA Today is saying, no, people want DeSantis. No, so, I, I think I, I don't think it's contradicting. I think they're both saying the same thing. Don't nominate Trump. No, Rom- I, nominate DeSantis. No, no, that's I, what both are saying. Am I, dis- I wrong? I disagree. The way I take it is the following. No. He says there's a reason Democrats are eager to keep uh, Trump at the center of the conversation, at the center of the conversation. This USA Today, if mm-hmm. they're really trying to keep him at the center of the conversation, they shouldn't show numbers like this because numbers like this is getting people to be convinced to say, well, I got to shift from Trump to DeSantis. That's what I'm saying. So mm-hmm. I disagree with uh, Ben in the area of the fact that Democrats are putting him in the center front. I think they're putting him there because they're scared of the guy. I think they're scared yeah. of him. I think the, yeah. I think they know a guy like that getting elected. Okay, so yeah. who's more? Uh, who's going to be a more uh, guy that's going to be uh, ven- vengeance? Who's more about vengeance? Trump. Him or DeSantis? Trump. Trump. Okay, if he gets elected, what do you think he's going to do? <laughs> I mean, he's going to go after what, everybody. I don't know what he's going to hard do. now. But you said <laughs> something. You said something, which was very uh, uh, powerful. You said you used the following words: collateral damage, right? You said, I have never, ever heard of Verrett twice, editorial of the general public, on film, the FBI. So your worry is collateral damage. My worry is this constant back and forth of revenge, 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 yeah. revenge, 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 revenge. Because we're the ones paying the price. Guess who loses? The we kids do. and when parents are constantly yeah. mm-hmm. going at each other's throats, who cares who loses? The kids are the ultimate yeah. losers of that situation. So in this case... If it becomes revenge politics, yeah. the voters are going to yeah. get screwed. Really get My screwed. opinion, I may be wrong. No, I agree. Well, I the, agree. The thing with Trump, and you know, there's a famous quote: "Hell hath no fury like a woman scorned." Right. So I'm not calling Trump a woman, but the guy feels fucking pissed. Okay. So 
if you're Trump and you do get reelected, you don't think you're going to come after revenge? Of course he is. But, okay, but, and it's going to get is, very ugly. But, but the thing is, I don't DeSantis see a, doesn't have that revenge factor. I mean, he's a fighter, no doubt, and I think I think that's fine. I think we need a fighter. I think we need a young, bold, youthful, new spirit in the White House, and that's why I would totally be an advocate for someone like a DeSantis. But you, you, if Trump gets reelected, you don't think he's going to be just be pissed and just hell hath no fury like a scorned woman? I'm not convinced. That's what's going to happen. I'm just not convinced that uh, the the media is putting up Trump and uh, James, Letitia James, and all these guys are doing it because they want the Republicans to make him as their number one. I'm convinced all the stuff they're doing is to eliminate the number one competitor. That's what I'm convinced. But you of. know what's funny, Pat? That ben, it's, it's interesting that, that Ben Shapiro said this because Ben also said in 2021 that the reason that there's more people voting for Trump is because the left media keeps putting him out there. And they keep giving him more and more and more and more um, uh, heat, which pisses off the voters, which makes them want to support him more. But he, what I'm it getting pisses at, off people like you but, that already no, have but, his but vote. But I'm, but I'm, Doesn't piss no, off no, independents on, on. for the but most What I'm getting part. at, though, is that this, what he said here, and I love Ben Shapiro, I'm a huge Ben Shapiro fan. Mm -hmm. He said the opposite just a year ago or two years ago. He said when he was, I forgot who was interviewing him. Oh, no, he, it was Don Lemon. He was Don Lemon that was Lamont. Have Lamont, a lot of respect, Lamont. I, I don't okay. have any respect for him. I could care less about him and all those guys at CNN. But the point is this: that Don Lemon, he, he you guys, he tells him, you guys keep doing this, and yeah. that's why he keeps getting attention because you guys keep doing this, and it's a bad strategy. He's telling him as he's being interviewed on mm -hmm. on CNN, so it's kind of. But weird what about what he's saying now, though? That, that's just weird for him to switch up like that because well, it's, a, it's a switch up. Sentiment can change. It can, right? but I just I think it's a switch up. But I think what Pat's saying is right. I think they're scared of him. You know, they're scared. So you gotta, you gotta keep talking. Uh, by the way, I, 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 I pay attention to what Ben is gonna say because when, when I sat down with him in eighteen, mm -hmm. Ben said I asked him about Biden. He says Biden is gonna be the next president. He, he said, said that, that in eighteen when I sat down with him at the Daily Wire headquarters when they were off of Ventura, wow. California, Ventura, Sherman Oaks, or something like that. What was his so, rationale with that? Why did he says Joe Biden's? Gonna, he, 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 we talk about Rock. We talk about Trump. We talk about Biden. He says Biden's gonna be the next. If he runs, Biden wins. Th those are his words. Wow. Yeah, you can actually. So he find predicted that. Did he give any more context to that, or why he thought that would happen? He, do you he recall? Did, but I mean, I don't, I don't know all the yeah. details. If you can watch it, there's a short clip of it out there, but. Look, I mean, it's like when Ann Coulter said Trump, everybody laughed. You kind of have to pay attention to some of this stuff. And mm -hmm. nobody's 100%. But, you know, some people have a better track record than others. So, well, let me, Can I ask Ricky a question? Yeah, of course. Why wouldn't, if you're seeing, if I'm not saying that you believe the poll numbers, but yeah. let's just play a game here. And you're basically, you see the unfavorable ratings around Trump and you yeah. see the favorable ratings that are trending in DeSantis' yeah. direction. Why wouldn't well, you just embrace? Let me finish. Yeah, Hold on. I'm sorry. Why wouldn't you just embrace someone like a DeSantis? Oh, 100%. And, and get around him. Oh, a hundred percent. A hundred percent. I just, I just, a hundred. I just don't think he's gonna run. What do you? What? I don't. I don't think. I don't think this is. Did he say he's out already? That he's in a run. I, I think it's trending in that direction. Think, if you see these polls that he's already beating Trump. Uh, but the thing is, here's the thing. You got to remember too. So I said, on my following on my Instagram when I talk to people. Mm -hmm. So many people have flipped. I've had people like, bro, I hated you four years ago. I've been following you. I've been watching all your stuff and everything you said was true. You, I can show you messages of people that are like, I can finally understand what you're talking about. They hated mm -hmm. Trump. They said, Trump's a racist. Trump's this. And now they're like, bro, everything you said was right. 
And I'm getting those messages every single day of the year. I'm not even joking. I'm not exaggerating one bit. I, so when I, when I read this, I'm like, that's that's it. So you trust your own Instagram polls more than no, uh, not, Quinnipiac <laughs> or NBC, I'm brother. having conversations. This, this is apart from, obviously, what I do with PHP. Yeah. This is the world I'm, I'm in. I'm fully in it. Like, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm in it all the way. And apart from being let with Lexit. When I go speak at the Republican, uh, uh, Women's Republic, and I've spoken two or three of them already, I'm going to be speaking one next month. Um, those rooms are getting bigger and bigger for people they, that they were ex-Democrats. 80-year-old women invite him to be the guest speaker. Yes. Very weird. At, at, at golf, at golf, what are they called? Golf, uh, <laughs> golf course, uh, not the golf, no, the... Course? No, country clubs. Country clubs. And these are rich, these are rich yeah. Well, women, there, listen, bro, there, the there is a new thing with I understand. older rich I women going after young, I'm hot totally, Latino dudes, I, bro. And, and, That's and, a thing. It's all good, and shout out to my wife, so you better shut me out or you're gonna get trouble when you get home. But the point is this, so shut up, babe. Uh, but the point is this, here's what I'm getting at, bro. Those rooms, those rooms are getting fuller and fuller every time yeah. I go. And when I'm meeting them, because they talk, they walk me around, yeah. they, and it doesn't fail that 50% of them, no, I don't want to say 50, I'd be exaggerating, 30% yeah. of the room, they're like, I used to vote Democrat, and now mm. I'm a Republican. And this so, is in Bakersfield, California? County, in the most, yeah. I live Where is that? Bakersfield, well, it's Bakersfield, Central Valley, and Kern, okay. and Kern County. Cali. And it. Kern County is one of the only conservative uh, counties in, in but, but even if all those, like, even if 100% of the room was like, all right, I'm with you, Ricky, you're yeah. still not going to flip California, bro. I, it's I'm like, not, it's not like about, and I respect what you're doing. But 100%. But, but, we're talking but it's about almost like a fruitless endeavor. About, but we're talking about the polls. I'm yeah. not talking about flipping California. I'm talking about what you're saying there. Yeah. What I'm seeing boots on the ground is not the same that that's that, that what's that, that what, whatever well, that bullshit is, I'm not seeing There that. it is. There it is. From now on, we're going to put uh, Quinnipiac, all right, Pew, and then Ricky's Instagram polls go. at the top of the list. <laughs> Done. <laughs> but I think that really quick, there's two things that we're discounting here. Trump hasn't been on Twitter since what, 2018? That's 2020? What happens when he gets, what happens if Elon Musk buys Twitter and reinstates Trump and Trump is now tweeting daily? Well, that's how if many he people chooses to go back on Twitter and not embrace Truth Social. Uh, it's which far is, fetched, right? But let's say Trump book, gets right? his voice back. How many people does he turn off? And secondly, let's say turn off. Turn off because not he's on. now tweeting daily again, which mm -hmm. the whole big spiel was no more mean tweets, right? People fuck the policies, no more mean tweets. Okay. Secondly, let's not forget what Trump did to everybody in the debates destroyed everybody in the debates. Mm -hmm. He called t t Ted's, uh, Ted Cruz's wife a dog. I mean, yeah. just little, went off, right? Little Marco Rubio. Right. On so a, either Jeb Bush, whatever, low energy, what does he call him? Right. So call how Lindsey many, Graham a lesbian, basically, if, all that. Let's say that Trump and DeSantis go at it, right? And he now starts going to ad hominem attacks on Ron DeSantis and wins the primary. Let's Which say he, he will, beats, by the way. Which he will. I, I think it's up for debate. But let's he will do the ad hominem attacks on Ron DeSantis. How many independent voters has he now Yeah, he's going to lose them. Because he calls... Yeah. Ron DeSantis' wife a dog or calls him ugly or yeah. what have you. You know how ugly that's going to get. Yeah. How many independent voters does he now turn off? How many people that he has flipped does he now turned off? Those 80-year-old yeah. women, they're saying, oh, I'm a big fan of Trump, and they yeah. they see this nonsense. Yeah, you're right. It's, it's, a, it's a very interesting perspective, and it's, a, it's not far-fetched. It's very correct. So my, my take is mm -hmm. he's 76 right now, Donald Trump. He'll be 78 going into the election. I think my crystal ball is that I see his family paying a price, taking a toll, meaning the kids around him. Mm -hmm. um, I see him at that point saying, yeah. I'm tapping out. I see him aligning himself with Ron DeSantis. I see Ron DeSantis being more youthful, mm -hmm. younger, has a little bit more energy. The reality is, if anybody was to go back into office and take over Biden's pre presidency right now and just undo the executive, office, uh, uh, executive uh, orders, rescind them, We'd be basically hitting the reset button. We'd be better off for that. Mm -hmm. So 
I think Donald Trump is probably going to have way too much baggage at that point that he himself is even going to recognize that I think it's one thing for him to take the hit. But I think now as you're going to see things come through the funnel and some of his kids and some of his real people that uh, are not his hang-ons, but really his blood, I think he's going to take a little bit of a digression and step back. So you don't think he's going to run is what you're saying? I think it's going to pay. I think it's going to take a heavy toll on him and not Hmm. the price of his children. You're saying you're basically saying he'd be better served not trying to be the king, but the kingmaker. Yes, sir. But that's not in his DNA. He views himself as the number one, as the king. And it's going to be hard. You brought up his age. It's going to be hard at 76, 78 to just flip a script and just say, you know what? But I here, don't want to be the man anymore. But, but I have a hard time believing right. that. And here's something interesting. We talk about you know the personal vindictiveness. How many of those Trump supporters are there that would not be willing to go over to Ron DeSantis, even though if they were equal, meaning mm-hmm. the results will be the same, but they'd rather hang on to Trump because they want to see him get his revenge? You're talking about in the primaries. In the primaries. But in the general electorate, they're no, going let's with DeSantis, just say, not you, even a let's close. Just I mean, they're say, going, let's just say Ricky will end. take DeSantis over yeah, anyone. Yeah, yeah. I mean, or, come on. Right. You know? Let's just say if you could foresee that the results if DeSantis gets in or Trump gets yeah. in we're all going to be better yeah. but there would be more Trump supporters to say I want to see Trump get in because I want to see him pay these people back yeah you know what well, I'm the revenge factor the revenge it's a big factor. thing in the movies who would you vote for out of those two I I like Donald Trump for the very reason that he's got that moxie and that he is no nonsense in your face now with mm-hmm. that being said I think he he is He's the type of person that, uh, you know, is hard to control and hard to rein in. Um, But I like him for getting results. He's result driven. Last question for you, bro. If you were his lawyer, I got one more topic I want to go to. To rein in, what advice would you give to Trump if you were his lawyer? He he gave it right off the bat. I don't know if you caught it. No, so I'm asking, circling back to that. He gave it right off the bat. Look, listen, I have clients. I tell each and every client that comes into the office, my job is to ensure and make sure you don't drive off that cliff. That's why you're paying me to, you're hiring me to prevent you from driving off that cliff. And if you're insistent in driving off that cliff, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm bailing on you. I'm getting out of that car and you can drive off that cliff by yourself. I'm not your guy. A lot of people look at me like, what do you mean? You have to have that ability. A good lawyer has Mm -hmm. to have client control. Donald Trump is impossible to control because he believes in his own little way Mm -hmm. he knows more than anybody. He does. He believes that. And when you deal with someone who believes that, it's impossible to get them to take your advice. Just as I said, when he went on Sean Hannity last mm-hmm. night, I he said things that I even gasped at. He talked about a form that's a page and a half. If you remember, he talked about this page and a half of a disclaimer form where his company puts it out and they put everybody on notice. Well, let me be honest with you. The government, Department of Justice, they got that going right now and they have a, a transcription person that's transcribing that interview because he better make sure that everything he said to Sean Hannity does in fact play out. As a lawyer, I would say, Donald, do me a favor. Keep your mouth shut. Take a back seat. Not going to happen. I, it's just not, not going to happen. We go around and around in circles. Not, I wish you would listen to someone like you. I really wish. Yeah, well, not going to happen, though. No, it's not going to happen. Last thing here before we wrap up. Putin, you guys saw the story about Putin with uh, the back and forth with the threats about nuclear and then Biden also coming back. 
uh, when uh, uh, they were both speaking. I want to read this and kind of get your commentary, and then we'll wrap up. So uh, uh, Putin initiates a conscription to bolster military invasion in U- at the, as Ukraine mount uh, counteroffensive. Uh, Russia, President Vladimir Putin announced a partial mobilization of Russia, which will uh, require citizens to join the war effort in Ukraine. It's a fully uh, adequate uh, to the threats uh, we face, namely to protect our homeland, its sovereignty and territorial integrity to ensure the security of our people and people in the liberated territories. We are talking about partial mobilization. That is, only citizens who are currently in the reserve will be subject to conscription. And above all, those who served in the armed forces have a certain military specialty and relevant experience. And he warns the West, threat to resort to nuclear weapons. This is not a bluff. Putin issued a warning after accusing Western countries of resorting to nuclear blackmail despite no NATO countries threatening to use nuclear weapons. To those who allow themselves such statements regarding Russia, I want to remind you, and he's only talking about one person, by the way, that uh, our country also has various means of destruction. And for separate components and more modern than those of NATO countries... And when the territorial integrity of our country is threatened to protect Russia and our people, we will certainly use all the means at our disposal. It's not a bluff. The threat comes as Russia's prospects in Ukraine are grim, with Putin's military losing thousands of square miles of territory to Ukrainian counteroffensive. And by the way, he's saying this. This is my uh, idea with this. You know, we've talked about this before. What'd you say? I'll kick your ass. Say that again. Look what I'm going to do to you. Mm-hmm. Maybe you can get away with it once, twice, three. If you keep doing that, people are going to be like, dude, Bro, shut up. Do something, right? Yeah. Okay. So now to, to flip, the, you know, flip that uh, uh, is people are moving out of Russia at a record-breaking rate. Mm-hmm. So earlier we were talking about, you're saying, tell me one other country that's getting the most people. I wanted to kind of talk about this. I said, let's just wrap up Mar-a-Lago conversation. Germany. They're leaving Russia. No, but I'm saying they're going into Germany. They're going all over the place, but they're just leaving Russia. They're worried, okay? Like when we lived in Iran, the war was going on. Like, dude, this could get nuclear. Our families were just worried about the safety of the kids. So people were leaving. No matter where they get a chance to go to, they're just leaving. So he's in a very tough situation. So now you go and look at uh, Pearl Harbor and then what happened, FDR, and then Truman goes and calls it, and here, let's go do this and drop it. And, hey, we saw what happened to you know Hiroshima. Do you take his threat as a bluff or do you take it as this guy's got his back so much against the wall right now that if there is a guy that would do it, it would be him? I think he should be taken seriously, but I do believe that his own civil unrest within his own, com- within his own country is going to be his ultimate downfall, meaning his own people are turning on him and are going to continue to rise up. I think that's where NATO and especially with the United States having their allies work on the Russian population to expose him for being just who he is, a madman, I think eventually will back him down and and eventually create his downfall. Now, with that being said, the reality is right now with him having the ability to push a button, uh, you know, the, unfortunately, Ukraine, there's not much to destroy there, right? I mean, it's basically a, a vast wasteland. I mean, he's destroyed basically the, the entire country. Um, with respect to using nuclear weapons, my biggest concern, honestly, is not his ability to carry out that threat. My biggest concern to myself and to my family and to, our, to my fellow Americans is honestly 
what would be the response if God help us all if he was to uh, implement a nuclear attack? Because we all know what will happen if he does it. Well, we can anticipate what would happen. My biggest concern is what's the response? Because once you light that fuse, Mm -hmm. we may be looking at a completely different world than we've ever known before. You know the difference between the button in U.S. versus Russia? Did you have you seen that article? No. Okay, so you know, in U.S., the button is controlled by who? President. One person. Mm-hmm. He can't push the button there. He needs multiple, multiple approvals mm-hmm. in Russia. So yeah. Russia's situation is not like what'd you say? Boom. That's U.S. That's not what it is in Russia. So that gives a little bit of comfort to yeah. say you have mm-hmm. to convince three or five people, whatever the amount of people is, for them to say. We agree that it's time to push the button. So I think for the world that's a little bit worried, it's good that Russia's button to the nuclear bomb is a lot more regulated, believe it or not, as weird as it sounds, than the button in U.S. Now, do, you, uh, do you remember what Tate had to say about this? No. You asked Tate this question. You said Misunderstood you, 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 man. You, exactly. Putin, you said yeah. you live in Romania, which is on the border of Ukraine, the Ukraine war. You're seeing this happening. You know, This is when we were in Madrid doing the interview yeah. with Tate, and obviously we didn't talk about Putin for... An extended period of time throughout that interview, but basically you brought up the term madman, and he goes, "I know that term gets thrown around a lot. Putin's a madman. He's a madman. He's crazy." And he goes, "No, I think he's actually a rational actor, but he he is there to serve his country, Mother Russia. He's not worried about global agendas or poll numbers. He's there for one reason only." to take a term from your president or a president, uh, make Russia great again. So I think I don't think he's a bad man. I think he's a rational actor. I don't think he wants to blow up the world. I don't think he wants to do that. At the same time, what I do think he has is a massive ego, and I think he needs an off-ramp to save face. Right now, he's not winning this war in Ukraine. You know, the, the EU, the United States, is throwing billions of dollars to prop up Ukraine and fight Russia, and they're doing an... Uh, a good job of it, and I think if you're if you're Putin, and if you want if you're the world, and you want a safe world, you want to give at least Putin an opportunity to not look weak and to save face, and give him an off ramp so he doesn't do anything illogical, and he maintains the rational actor status. My take is though his DNA, mm-hmm. because of where he came from, is all about deception and killing and murder. KGB, KGB. Yeah. And poisoning and doing things. And accidentally jumping out of a window. Or doing the most barbaric (laughs) things. Of course. I think that's his DNA. And and look, Madman is, you know, someone who's crazy. I don't, I think he's very calculated. No doubt. No question. Very smart, very calculated. My biggest, or my fear is, Mm -hmm. because of his DNA, he does not have the ability to think beyond himself. Meaning... That and just as Patrick said, there's a layer that insulates mm-hmm. him from getting to that button. My concern would be he'll start knocking off those people mm-hmm. and putting in people in their place yeah. to ultimately get oh, to damn. that button. Who's a bigger egomaniac, Putin or Trump? Well, look, you see Trump in front of the camera a lot more than you see Putin. That's for sure. So, so that may just Trump. be. <laughs> well, and. We're all assuming that this is a big nuclear weapon. He has targeted nuclear weapons. He can launch very small nuclear attacks and and create mass devastation. And listen, I don't think he's a a madman. I think he's very calculated. But we are pushing him and pushing him and push. Imagine how frustrated he has to be that he can't take over Ukraine because, like Adam said, we're sending 50, 60, 70, 80, 100 billion dollars. What do you think he's going to do? 
we it's no secret that that we are fighting a proxy war against Russia on behalf of Ukraine. Mm-hmm. What do you expect him to do? So what happens when you push a bully one too many times? What happens? The bully goes home, goes into his father's closet, gets out his assault rifle, puts it in his backpack, and comes to school the next yep. day and say, okay, here's the great equalizer. And that's what we see in these mass shootings. And, that's, and so be careful pushing Putin into that corner because that's what's going to happen. That's they the key, though. That's not him being backpack. a madman. That's not him being crazy. That's, that's, that's our problem. We did this. We set yep. this up. This is our fault. This is why I'm saying we need to give him an off-ramp and the opportunity to at least save face and not look weak. There, there was a there was a question by Hannity yesterday about Putin, and he says, uh, "What did you say to Putin behind closed doors that got Putin to not want to attack Ukraine?" He says, "I can't tell you that. That's between me and him in the conversation." But we did have a respectable. Uh, I don't know if you caught that one I part. Did. Yeah. So it, it, diplomacy is different. You know, like in in, in insurance, like uh, be, having been in a sales organization for the last twenty years, there are guys. Very few guys are good at two things. There are guys that are very good from stage, very good from stage. And it makes you believe they're better one-on-one, but they suck one-on-one, suck one-on-one. They're good stage, right? So there's three levels to it. There's stage, there's group setting, UN5, and there's one-on-one, mm. okay? And then there are those guys that are very good one-on-one, but they suck on stage. I used to think the guy on stage would build the biggest business, but it's the guy that was the best at one-on-one that built the biggest business because he knew how to get things done and he would move things forward. So the one-on-one, unfortunately, none of us can gauge because there is no camera on -on one-on-one. So we don't know how Biden is one-on-one. We don't know how Trump is one-on-one, but obviously when Trump was doing one-on-one, nothing was happening. ISIS disappeared. Putin was calm. Nothing was going on there. So the power of the one-on-one, unfortunately, we will never be able to gauge ever because there's no cameras in the one-on-one. Having said that, quick shout-out to a couple of the guys that gave the super chance. Joseph Dekelaita, a Syrian guy. You said there's only seven famous. I'm one of seven famous Assyrians in the world. He says, make me the eighth because there's not too many Assyrians. <laughs> My man, appreciate you. Uh, Pro, uh, Procatus says uh, what his stance is on Patriot Act. We didn't get into the Patriot Act. That's something we talked to Giuliani about. When it comes to Trump, this is Paul, $20. When it comes to Trump, the Democrats keep beating the same drum Hoping people will dance to the beat. Unfortunately, they are tone deaf, and Trump will come out victorious once again. We will see. Then we had uh, Andrew said, Adam, yes, there is that saying. But remember, Schumer said the intelligence agencies will get you six ways from Sunday about Trump. Funny, it's happening now. And then we have uh, uh, Jason said Trump is a criminal. He is finally held to the fire. Okay. And then we have Derek said, now they've changed it to hell has no fury like Adam Scorn. Adam has the, <laughs> Adam has the emotions of a woman. I'm offended by that one. Anyway, Bang you your woman. Okay, gang, uh, the, Tyler, do we have something this week or this is the one? And then later on today, Adam has a podcast with Ricky. If yeah. you want to be entertained, yes. don't miss that one on. If you want to see Monday. Ricky and fireworks, tune into Sazcast 4 p.m. Hey, by today. the way, shout out to my driver, Julio. I got a driver here in Florida now. He's, a, he's sick. He's a Dominican Republic, big fan of the podcast. I love he's it. like always like he lives two minutes from me. I see that you they see when you're filming right here. So. I love it. Well, gang, yeah. uh, if you enjoyed Stuart as much as we did, give That's it a awesome. thumbs up and subscribe to the channel, and hopefully we'll have him back on the podcast again. Brother, appreciate you for coming out. This was very helpful. Thank you. Thank you, Stuart. Thank you, everybody. Have a great weekend. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye bye.